Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal. Oh, hey. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy end blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Did we just play a highlight saying, here comes the judge? Man, you want to talk about getting paid. If you're starting to believe the reports, and I can tell you I'm getting excited because it's road trip time for A's cast. It's been a while since we've been on the road. And obviously, you know, a lot has happened in our lives, in our world. You know, whether we talk about COVID, we talk about the lockout of last year. Baseball has not been the same since 2019. That's just a reality. And whether you watch this show or you're watching MLB Network or you listen to Sirius XM, Channel 89, the MLB radio, these are the only places, <coughs> excuse me, the, I'm going to need a cough button today, by the way, as I'm getting over this cold. Okay, well, I'm right here now, so it's easy, easy for that to happen. You might just point to you and do it? Yeah, when, when, you, when you point, that means, that means I, I mute. I actually had a conversation with our boss today, the great DA, and I said, it's actually, and this is so odd to say, it's nice to have a cold and not have COVID. Yeah, I feel like everyone's gotten everyone I've talked to, you, a lot of my friends, we've all had like the same like cold thing that's been going around like the last like week and a half. But or it's so. a cold. Yeah. I don't have COVID. I have a cold. Cough, sneezing a little bit, you know, blowing my nose. It's not cold. So it's nice, but you know, it's like I'm not like I've gotta be locked in my bedroom for ten days and can't see my children and can't see my wife. 
They might say that's a good thing. I might say that's a good thing. But, you know, you don't have to. It's nice. Just, I have a cold, and I can go function in the world and be okay. But back to the winter meetings, we're back in business. I'm so excited to go down to San Diego, where I grew up, see family and friends, but more importantly, to be at the winter meetings to see everybody, you know, all the people we bring on A's cast, to get to see them up close and personal for the first time since 2019, unless they've come to the Coliseum. Everybody is going to be there. Every GM, every president, VP, whatever of baseball operations going to be there. Chief baseball officers. All the different agents. All the media bigwigs, broadcasters, writers, podcasters, you name it, everybody is in one spot. And we all get together, and it's about the game of baseball. And it's going to be fun to get back. I'm super juiced. Like our guy, Chris Mad Dog Russo, the Radio Hall of Famer, high heat. He's already down there. They got MLB Network people are already in San Diego Ready to rock. This thing doesn't start till Sunday. We get there Monday morning on the air, 1 o'clock. But I'm excited to be back. I really am. It's going to be a lot of fun. Roaming the halls. And you know what, folks? Everybody at these things loves the idea of A's cast. They love coming on. We've got a whole big banner behind us now. We've got a whole set that we're going to have next to the Yes Network set. The Yankees, which, I mean, this judge stuff, it's going to be exciting. There's going to be a lot. I mean, there's a lot of rumors going on. There's a lot of stuff that's being said, like this one, Yankees right now offering eight years, $300 million. They'd have to add an extra year and $24 million to add to match the Garrett Cole contract. How old was Garrett Cole in 2009? 2019 when we when we were there and he signed. I think he was under 30 or he might have just turned 30 because he's 32 now. So he 29. I would say yeah, 29. I'm gonna pull up the old baseball reference. And Judge is what 30. 30 gonna be 31. Okay, uh, so he's younger. So as one executive said, take this for what it's worth. I'd rather be a Yankee than a Giant. No offense, Giant fans. Reading this report, Cole is 28 actually. Giants. Have to do ten years in this person in this personnel person's opinion. The Giants would have to do ten years, three hundred and seventy-five million to get Judge to pass on the Yankees. Ten years, three hundred and seventy-five million, which would be the largest free agent contract of all time would be second when you look at contracts guaranteed to a player, only Mike Trout and that 435 or whatever the hell yeah. it is. Trout's getting paid. I don't know I don't know what it costs to live in uh Mill Mill not Millbray, was Mil- it Millville, Millville, New Jersey? Melville, Millville, 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 New Jersey, but I think 435 million can buy you a nice crib in like Newport Laguna, Dana Point, wherever he wants to live in Orange County on the water, 
and then in Millville, Steel Mill, wherever the hell it's called, in New Jersey, I think he's going to be okay. Hell, he can move to Philadelphia because he's a big <clears throat> Philadelphia sports fan. And just no, live, no, he, he, he stays. He's, he's, he's loyal Jersey guy. God bless him. And there is something about that Jersey-Philly border. I, I, I mean, I've been to both, but there is something about all those people in Jersey who grow up right on the doorstep of Philadelphia and the great state of Pennsylvania where you're from. That they're all Eagles fans, they're all Phillies fans. They they're more to where when you go to Eastern New Jersey, they're all New York. And of course, the Giants and the Jets play there in New Jersey. But on the eastern side of New Jersey, all Yankees, all Mets, Giants, Jets, whatever, except Devils, they'll take their own hockey team. But on the western side of Jersey, they all gravitate towards Philly. Is that correct? Yes. My East Coast knowledge. From, from what I, from what I've gathered, my entire well, twenty three years of my life living there. Well, our buddy now. Kevin Franzen, the San Jose State great, now broadcaster for the Washington Nationals. So he lives in Philly now. Well, he lives in New Jersey. He lives on that border because he was working for the Phillies, and has told me like everybody there is Philly fans. Makes, and that, makes and that a lot was of sense. and that was before they went to the World Series. It's, like they've been Phillies. They're all in on everything Philly. So they're Sixer fans, Flyer fans, whatever. But anyway, more importantly, Judge is anybody – I mean, you have to get to a point, in my opinion, as a Giants fan, that you'd have to say, for us to outbid the Yankees would be stupid. It would just be – it would just not – it would just not be a smart – baseball move money's money it's not your money not my money I don't care what he gets paid and if you're a Giants fan you want star you want great player the replacement for bonds I get it but at some point you do have a limit to how much you're going to spend and you just think of it as a as, as like a business chart a pie Right, the pie graphs that you see whenever you're in business meetings, seminars. How much of your pie do you want going to one player? And especially, you're now you're talking about paying him 38, 39, 40, 41. Go look at the Tigers. We went over that last show. Disaster. As Miguel Cabrera during our show on Monday. Let us all know that, you know what, I, I think one more year and that's it. When this should be his last year, he should retire the way Albert Pujols did. But he goes, no, nah, I think it's time to call it a career after the end of next year so I can collect that extra $32 million. That's what you're going to be. I don't I can't tell you how Judge exactly is going to age. Big guys, super big guys don't age well. Super big guys not off performance enhancing drugs age well. Judge is clean. So that means as he gets older, legs won't be as good, the eyesight starts to go, all the stuff that happens to a player as he goes into his late 30s. And if you're paying them this kind of money, it's just dumb. It's dumb. It will sound great now. It will feel great now. But you're not going to have the love for him 
that the Yankees will. Like the Yankees now, the Yankees re-sign him, and he goes on to have X amount of good years. At the end of this, they won't care because he's going to be in Monument Park. He's going to be a Yankee legend. He's their guy. You don't care. That's the thing about free agency. You don't care when your guy ages because you love him. He's your guy. But when you're the hired gun, which free agents are, and you become the older expensive guy, there was no love for Albert Poole. Look at the love Albert Pujols had in St. Louis. They didn't have that love in Anaheim. They hated him. We saw it firsthand as A's. They're booing him. There was no love. Anaheim. Once again, the rally monkey. Where is the rally monkey? The rally monkey was booing him. When the rally monkey's booing you, boo, you suck, old man. You're not worth the money. This is Orange County, the softest market. I would probably, well, I don't know. We went softest, weakest, like when it comes to hardcore fan markets. Anaheim's up there. Anaheim's up there. Miami's up there. I'm trying to think of what other ones we can throw I in I mean, there. years ago you would have said San Diego, but now they're packing in $3 million a year and they're going nuts. So you can't say San Diego. But Anaheim's there. Even though they, they, they bring a lot of people in, but, I mean, it's stuffed animals and Disney and that whole thing. I, I think I get, well, Tampa. Oh, I was going to say, are we basing off of attendance? So, yeah, Tampa. No, no, not, not ten, ten size because obviously our, but our fans are all in. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know how the we're Tampa. banging drums. We got signs. We're we're like a college football game, even though we don't have a ton of people. Our fan base, the A's fan base, God love you. They're all in. Yeah, I don't know how much Tampa really. Besides Tampa, their, like people their, are in shorts, flip flops, and they're like, "Hey, they, I'm having a cocktail." I've been to Tampa. I can tell you, it's not rowdy. They have a uh, they have the cowbells though. That's that's all it's I ever. Not rowdy. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what other team would would be a, a softer market. I mean, not obviously not New York, not Pennsylvania, not Atlanta. Atlanta, no. Eh. I don't know. They how- got it going again at Kansas City when they're not good. Anyway, doesn't matter. It's just soft. When the Angel fans are booing your ass every day, then you know something's wrong. So that's what I'm saying. If I'm any team, you know what I say? Dr- let the Yankees pay him. Let him be in a Yankee, and I don't even. I don't even want in this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even want in this conversation. I don't know why you would. That's why it was dumb. I said it all along. It was dumb for Farhan and his, and his group to even get it out that they were all in on Judge. It was dumb. Because now if you don't get him, now what? Now your fan base is going to say, we're spending all this money, and you're cheap. Because that's the thing. The Giants have this perception right now in our market that they're cheap. And they're trying to shed that. Well, going out and paying Judge 10 years, $375 million, yeah, you'd be showing you're not cheap, but you know what you'd also be doing? You'd be showing you're dumb. And that's one thing Farhan's not. So 10 years, $375, i would say no, Yankees, pay him, he's a Yankee, and let it go. Yeah, the, the original thing, Jeff Passan had it this morning. <laughs> Um, Passon had it this morning. It was eight years, three hundred million, and they 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 would be willing to go up. You know, if there was some better offer. So you do the math, quick math. That's thirty-seven point five million dollars for the AAV, which is the same amount as the ten years, three hundred seventy-five million. So Judge is going to get that money. He's going to be the highest-paid position player, I think, by AAV because obviously Cole is going to be ahead of him. 
Or no, uh, who's going to be ahead of him? Scherzer. Scherzer, yeah, and then probably Verlander <laughs> when Verlander signs a new deal. Those are the only two guys. It's a dumb deal, but if he's your guy, it's not a dumb deal. There's a difference between you draft him, you bring him up, he's your player, and every kid grows up with an Aaron Judge jersey and wears them to bed at night, and they got Judge blankets and jerseys and hats. He's your guy. Makes sense. You keep your guy. No one ever – has there ever been a player that signed a contract extension that everybody hated on when he signed it with his own team? It's always the free agents who sign somewhere. They don't live up to the deal, and then everybody hates them. Or, you know, there's dislike, there's never the love. Versus a guy who's your guy. You know, when you sign Chipper Jones to a long-term deal, Chipper's going to fade in the end, but you don't care because he's your guy. You grew up, he's your favorite player. You don't ever want him to be traded. You want him to be there forever. And he ages, he retires, you, you retire his jersey. It's the one thing the A's fans want, right? You want your guy you want to have a guy that's your guy forever. But you don't want to do it at 10 years, $375 because that is a bad deal. There's wild stuff going on right now. I mean, they're trying to spin right now DeGrom to the Rays. That's a good one. I mean, if you ever thought like, okay, wait a minute, I'll buy a lot of crap, and I believe everything I read on the Internet and Twitter, you know what? It's official. I do not believe everything I'll re- I, I do not believe everything I read on the internet and I do not believe everything I read on Twitter now. Because I do not believe there's any chance and you know what that Jacob deGrom will be a Tampa Bay Ray. There's no way when Kevin Cash and the Rays come to Oakland And I have all the respect, and I love watching them work out. I've said this before. No one works harder than the Rays. Every single day, the infield that they take, before they ever – they do more before they take BP than any other team. There's a reason why they win. There's a reason why they're fundamentally sound. There's a reason why they can play in the American League East and compete day in and day out. They never beat themselves. You can talk about all the bullpenning. You can talk about – but they fundamentally work harder than anybody. We get to see it being on the field. No way I'm writing in my scorebook, Oakland, Tampa, blah, 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 right, and then put pitching tonight, Jacob DeGrom. There's no way that happens. Well, they're, they're trying to – this was Andy Martino of SNY um, who reported this, that they were going to meet – Remember last year was the, oh they offered a big deal to Freddie Freeman to come to play in Tampa. What was it wasn't it? that big. It was like 155 million. That's big for them. No, but you just no no that's not what you just said. You just said they offered him a big deal. Yeah, it was. And I just said no, they didn't. It was five. What was you it? said for them? Okay, you got to then say it's for them because 155 million in Major League Baseball is not a big deal. What did he end up getting with the Dodgers? Was it 180? 275. Oh, that's way too high. What do you get? I thought it was like 180. What do you get? Um, Maybe I'm way too high. Six year, oh, okay. Six year contract for 162 million. Oh. And I, what they used was the state taxes to say that our deal's better. Yeah, and I think that the um, the I'm Rays corrected. 
The Rays offered, I want to say it was like five or six years for like 155 or something like it that. It was 155. Yeah. So, or that's what I read. Yeah, that's what I read. So it's seven mil less to play in L.A. But the state tax is at 13.3% for 81 of your games, plus the games you play in Anaheim. So plus the games you play in San Francisco. Got to remember, you get taxed for where you play. And you're getting taxed at a rate of 13.3%. I believe I don't know how they how your tax attorneys can rig this, but you're getting taxed well over ten percent. So you get taxed for the eighty-one games you play at Dodger Stadium. You'll get taxed that rate for all the games you play in San Diego, all the games you play in San Francisco, and the games you play in Anaheim. And if it's at that time of year where the National League West is playing the American League West, and they have to come to Oakland, you'll get taxed at the games you play in Oakland. You don't have to worry about that anymore. It's going to happen every year at the balanced schedule. But what I'm saying, when yeah. you're, so when you're offering the no state taxes, it's significant. But Freddie Freeman, being from Southern California, going back home, family meant more than the taxes and playing in front of 7,000 people a night. Well, the crazy thing, too, is I looked it up. The Rays' uh, estimated payroll for this year, or uh, going into next year, will be around, I think, $68 million. And right now they're paying Tyler Glass now. Going this year, they paid him $5.35 million. Uh, for 2023, then the next part of his deal, um, it'll be $25 million for they have to pay him. So he's going to be their highest-paid player. So you're telling me that $68 million is their payroll, and you're going to pay Jacob DeGrom almost more than half of that if you want to increase it? I don't. I do not see them doing it. Well, they like their starters only going five innings, so he'll fit right in. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a lot to get into today. Chris Rose, Chris, it's what is this? Thing? It's rotation and baseball today yeah, the, podcast. Chris Rose oh, rotation, of the rotation of the guys. Yeah. yeah, Chris Rose rotation and baseball today podcast <clears throat> on John Boy Media, of course, still with the NFL Network. Uh, Chris Rose, absolutely love him. Best damn sports show back in the day. And we'll have him at 1.30. And then our national baseball columnist from The Athletic, Eno Saris, will be here at 2 o'clock. And we'll see Eno down at the winter meetings. Correct. Yeah, I talked to him about that. He's going to be down there. There's a lot of people we're going to see down there. I'm looking forward to it. But there is a lot of other news that's gone on in baseball. Um, there's reports out there now that about Xander Bogarts. He's, uh, this is according to Peter Gammons of The Athletic, the Hall of Famer, that uh, Bogarts has severed ties with Boston and won't be going back. He heard this from three different sources. Then Sam Kennedy, I believe the president of the Red Sox, and Scott Boris's agent said that's not true. But now there's rumors that the D-backs and Cubs are linked to him. So Tori Lovello and Mike Hazen. Kobe Bryant will never play for the Lakers. Yeah. Kobe Bryant will never. See this? Blah, blah, blah. It's my blah, blah, blah sign. Don't be. I, I, that's not news. That's rumors. News is something you got. You're giving me rumors. You got rumors or you got news? Most of it's rumors. No, yeah. news is Don Mattingly is officially yeah. signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. Donnie Baseball is now the bench coach for the Toronto Blue Jays. So now we can add to Don Mattingly, could be Hall of Famer as of Sunday, Toronto Blue Jay great yeah. Don Mattingly. To go along with the great Marlon Don Mattingly, also, Dodger great Don Mattingly. Uh, Charlie Montoya, the former Blue Jays manager, is now the new bench coach in Chicago um, under their first-year manager, Pedro Griffal. Uh, Griffal. 
Uh, Tony Clark got a five-year extension to stay as the executive director of the Major League Baseball Players Association. Uh, no, I heard that, and I was uh, like... Shohei Otani voted as the Edgar Martinez Outstanding Designated Hitter Award for the second straight year. First player to do that since David Ortiz did it in his career. Funny, though, he didn't win the Silver Slugger. Yeah, because uh, some guy in Houston yeah, won it. Yeah, so I don't know how you're the best DH, but you don't win the Silver Slugger Award. Well, I will say this. He is a DH. I mean, the one thing to give Shohei Otani is that he does not venture out. I mean, he's only done it a couple times. He didn't do it last year. He does not play the field other than pitcher. So he truly is a DH. He's not going to go out to first. He's not going out to left, not going out to right. If he is going to play other than pitching, I have no problem with that because Alvarez plays left field. He'll probably be their left fielder next year now. I mean, he goes out and plays. I don't know how many games. I know he did it against us. But Alvarez does go out and play left field. He'll play the outfield. Shohei Otani, like Edgar Martinez. I mean, you think of certain guys, and it usually was great players at the end of their career, like Paul Molitor, Dave Winfield. They didn't touch a glove. They were DHing. They're future Hall of Famers, great hitters. Their defensive days were far behind him. How many times did he play in the outfield? Uh, looks like he played 56 games in the outfield. Okay, so then he wasn't just a primary DH. Yeah, 77 games at DH, 56 so, games. So, take it back. Shohei Otani, as much as you've ripped him on this program, <laughs> show Shohei Otani some love here it, as he deserves the award. I just find it interesting that he wasn't the best – he wasn't Silver Slugger at DH then. Well, how do they determine Silver Slugger? I don't know the formula. I'm sure there's probably some. Well, I don't think the formula is going to be as intense as X Woba or RA24. Uh, maybe or <laughs> you know that's kind of a problem with our game is we got all this stuff goes on in our game and we don't even know how how, how does it work. Like we have this committee of 16 different people on Sunday, part players, part executives, part writers. They're going to decide the future. Baseball Hall of Fame or not, for guys who are now off the contemporary ballot, right? You had your 15 years, now 10 years, used to be 15. You didn't get in, but you got enough votes and percentage that you can now be on this list. So it's the, okay, we know the, it's basically the committee that says we know the writers get it wrong, and the writers may not be all right, but it's this archaic system that we continue to go with. So if they got it wrong, can we right some wrongs with a very educated, you know, you start looking at some of the people that have Hall of Fame votes, it's it's mind-boggling. No offense to some of you, you have no right to have a Hall of Fame vote. Zero. But you do. If you didn't get it right, we now take you to this committee that's of 16, that's a very educated committee, and they can right some wrongs. Fair way to explain it? Yes. And if you can't make it through this committee, there's no way you should be a Hall of Famer. All right, coming up next, one of our all-time favorites, Chris Rose will join us right here on A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. The Oakland Athletics begin spring training on February 25th. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Buy your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho-Cam Stadium. And Tony, it's a deep drive to right in the corner. Gritchick going back. He'll turn and watch it fly. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. The winter meetings start Monday and A's cast has you covered. Join Chris Townsend as A's cast live. will be broadcasting from the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego. Stay up to date on all things green and gold and around major league baseball with all major signings and hear from the biggest names in the sport, such as David Forst, Mark Kotze, Terry Francona, mad dog, Chris Russo, Sarah Langs, and more. Coverage starts Monday at 1 p.m. on A's Cast, and you can watch the show live. Visit youtube.com slash athletics or on Twitter at athleticscast24. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. I am just learning right now from our great sponsor, Last Dive Bar. They have put together a 20 20- 23 calendar and you can start buying it on Friday lastdivebar.com I guess I can't show it yet but it's a 2023 wall calendar that I guarantee you we will have here on A's cast but you want to start talking about it's this time of the year right I mean aren't we already what are you getting for Christmas? What are you getting this person? What are you getting that person? I don't know about you, but I, I, I was doing some online shopping. I got I got some new A's gear coming for 2023. For this show, for stuff that I do on NBC, I got some new polos. I got some new pullovers. And my wife is now at a point. You calling Chris? He's there. My wife is at a point. Like, how much Raider and A's gear can you possibly have? Uh, the great Chris Rose is with us now as he's back once again here on A's Cast Live. Chris, how are you and how's everything going with the podcast? Doing okay, guys. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. We're gearing up. We'll be down at the winter meetings once again down in San Diego. And what we're trying to tell everybody is like, 
it's been a wild couple of years between COVID and the shutdown and no winter meetings to the lockout last year. It's been a while since our baseball world has gotten together, and the last time we did it was also in San Diego in 2019. It's going to be great to see everybody and kind of get our business going back to some normalcy. Yeah, I mean, it'll be great to see everybody. It's um, yeah, It has been a strange few years. There's no question about it. So it's always fun. Uh, it's always great people watching, and hopefully <clears> – <throat> Hopefully things will start to pick up a little bit. I know we've had a couple of signings here and there, but really not much. And, um, you know, the last time I think we were in San Diego, um, you know, Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon, and Steven Strasburg all signed for at least $245 million. So that made it a fun time there. And like I said, hopefully that will continue. Oh, yeah, our set was right next to the Yes Network when Garrett Cole signed. It was like a bomb went off. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, there's just there's different strategies, right? And, of course, all your great work in the NFL with the National Football League and the way that NFL free agency or NBA free agency, it's just like it comes out like a horse race and everybody signs and it's, it takes over. Baseball, you know, it can be – can be dragged out look at how harper machado signed late with philly and, and, and san diego well after january 1st so when you look at it covering all the sports that you do which one do you like better do you like it all at once or do you like a whole process through the winter like baseball no i like it i i like it happening right out of the gate in fact it bothers the hell out of me that it drags on this long in baseball i mean it's just I don't think it's good for the fan bases. Like, how great would it be if a big name signed right now and you could be printing jerseys for the holiday season? Yeah. Like, God forbid we try to get a fan base excited about something. <laughs> you know, it's just unfortunate. I, I love baseball. Um, you know, football and baseball are a coin flip in terms of my passion. But at the same time, there's things about the sport that inherently bother the crap out of me. And this is part of it. It's just... Everything about it is so slow. It's like it's a reactionary sport instead of being proactive, and that's pretty much across the board. I, I could not, I could not agree more. You know, I think about it when you start talking about like expanding the playoffs, and I had so many people on this show, and so many people that we deal with that come into town at the Coliseum complaining about expanding the playoffs and it cheapens the regular season. And I'm like, I'm looking at these people going, do you watch the NFL? Do you watch the NBA? Do you watch hockey? Do you watch how they've expanded the NCAA tournament? They're expanding college football. It all works. It generates more money. It generates more interest. And then we finally really have it this year. And you realize the ratings are up. The interest is up. It's just like, why is it everybody is so, you know, speaking of the winter, like the way the winter meetings used to go, like you said, let's get this thing going. Let's start promote. We can get people. We can start selling whoever sells what for Christmas. It's like, why is everything so late to the party in our sport? Don't know. I don't have an answer for it. I just think that, you know, they're so, the powers that be are so worried about pissing off uh, the fan that they've got instead of trying to engage the fan that they don't have. And listen, I, I'm not an idiot. I understand that there are inherent parts of the sport 
that aren't conducive to some of the younger people, right? I mean, it's there's a pace to baseball, and there's not. Sometimes we go six to eight minutes without having a pitch put in play, right? Um, you know, if you get a commercial break, if you get two hitters that strike out in the inning, or one person walks and you know, and then there's another strikeout, and then it's the end of an inning, and then a strikeout to lead off the inning, and then a walk. Like, you literally can go even 10 minutes without seeing a ball put in play. So, um, you know, I'm all for just trying stuff. And I I didn't mind the expanded playoffs at all. I, I The thing I was disappointed in was that we basically knew the National League playoff picture. We didn't necessarily know the order, but we knew who was who was going with like two weeks to go in the season. You know, once Milwaukee took a dump, and it was, that was it. Well, it is the Chris Rose rotation and uh, your podcast. And we kind of did something, obviously the broadcast and podcasts are different, but we did something similar with our broadcast where traditionally it's the manager, the manager show before every single game. We switched it up this year. So at the start of a series, Friday was the manager. Saturday was the pitching coach. Sunday was the hitting coach. If it was a four-game series, it would be the bench coach on the fourth game to where you get a different perspective every single day instead of the exact same perspective for 162. A rotation of thoughts and different questions I kind of think similar, it's not apples to apples, but kind of similar when you have the different players that you have on. Just talk about how how fresh that is, and there's always a different perspective on your podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important. And by the way, I think that Mark Kotze probably really appreciated it on top of everything else. In his first year, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it is important to get that. You know, uh, it's important to get – guys with different backgrounds uh, that play different positions. I know that most of my rotation are, you know, are pitchers. They're just easier to, to get more frequently than everyday ball players. Um, but I would like to expand that a little bit and try and get more everyday ball players interested in joining the rotation. Uh, but two guys can even play in the same game and have totally different perspectives, right? I had Austin Hedges and Tyler Glass now going against one another in the playoffs. And so they kind of walked us through the walk-off by Oscar Gonzalez, one from one angle and one from the other. And as you could imagine, the stories were totally opposite. The feelings were opposite. Um, And so you saw as a fan the same game, but you got the inside story that took you two totally different directions. You know, one thing that we'll discuss a lot down at the winter meetings, and it kind of excites me because analytics, math, doesn't really excite a lot of people. And how, how do we come up with weighted runs created plus or ex-WOBA and what's the equipment? Nobody cares. But the one thing that's really changing in our sport that we can really talk about, and Adam Adovino was on MLB Network last night really talking about this, is biomechanics how the human body works and all sports are doing this. And it's, you know, we all kind of fascinated about how our arms and our legs and our torso and our core and how it all moves. I know this big in golf right now, it's really becoming big in baseball. You know, 
Why does a 6'4 skinny guy throw 102 miles an hour, but so does a short portly guy can throw 102 miles? How are we making all this happen in baseball? How do we have this launch angle? How does the human body work? That's really like the next phase of where baseball is going to. Do you guys talk about that? Do you have any interest in that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, uh, yeah, I, I suppose I do have an interest. I don't know if I would seek it out, but if I was shuffling through Twitter and there was a three-minute explanation on it, um, I would probably sit through it and watch it. Um, I like it that it's available for everybody. I do. I think that that's really important that, you know, basically our the sports media world has become on demand. You know, that's where, what people want. They don't want to have to go sit in front of their TV at 2 o'clock to go watch this or that. They want it when they want it, and that's why, you know, so many of the streaming services are doing so well, right? You can just have it when it's ready, and it's not going anywhere, and if you, if you didn't have a chance to see it when it was on at 11 o'clock, it's still going to be there at 1 o'clock. Um, so I guess, you know, it kind of takes your question with the biomechanics of the area, and, you know, I'm steering it a different direction, but yeah, I... I'm appreciative that at least it's there for the people that are interested in it all. You know, obviously we're the entertainment business and we want to be entertained and stars entertain. And right now these numbers for Aaron Judge are are going to be huge. And after you have a year like he had, get as much as you can get. I'm usually pro player on that. I But I think a lot, a lot of the guys that we're talking about, at least early here in the meetings, except for some of the shortstops, we're looking at guys where you say, okay, if you pay Aaron Judge 10 years, that means you're paying him till he's 41. You're talking about a maybe three-year deal for a guy like Justin Verlander, who's 39 years old. You're talking about Jacob DeGrom, a multi-year deal for a guy who's now going 35, 36, 37, maybe 38. Where are you and what have we learned about giving big guaranteed money to guys that are getting older? Well, there's no question that the Max Scherzer to Washington deal was kind of the outlier, right? I mean, that was seven years, and I think there's no question that uh, the Nationals sat there and loved every one of them, right? I mean, heading into the last year of his deal, they ended up kind of turning into, you know, uh, Josiah Gray and Kiebert Ruiz, and hopefully those guys will be a couple of the young pillars as the Nationals try and make a comeback. But the previous six years were fantastic. Um, but at the same time, like, if I'm a Yankee fan, I just want Aaron Judge there, and I want him to help us get back to the World Series, which we haven't been to since 2009. I, I, I can't sit here and worry about what he looks like when he's 39 or 40. It just... I mean, wouldn't it be a disastrous offseason if the Yankees lost him? I don't care who they get. I don't care who they get. If they sign a shortstop, which doesn't make any sense to me, or if they sign if they sign Jacob Degrom, but they lose Aaron Judge, how are fans, Yankee fans, feeling? Oh, I know. <laughs> They're gonna freak out. You're gonna lose the guy who just you. They've already got a spot for him in Monument Park. If you lose him, my God. Yeah, and so I don't think. I think you'll drive yourself nuts if you sit here and say, well, what's that guy going to be at 39 or 40? Okay, well, 
he's probably going to stink, and you're probably going to be sitting there hating the contract. But that's what you—that's how you have to pay. It, it, it just is. I mean, Aaron Judge isn't going to sit there and he's going to be like, you know what? I really care about the franchise, so let me only take a five-year deal for thirty million dollars a year for one fifty total. I think that'll help you guys out the most. Nor should he do that. You know, he should do what's best for Aaron Judge. He should have um, no loyalty whatsoever to the New York Yankees. He should have loyalty to his wife and his family and himself, and that is it. And the rest of it is up to the teams to figure out. Well, we know you're a Cleveland Guardians fan. Terry Francona will be joining us, a former bench coach for the Oakland Athletics. He will be joining us in San Diego for the winter meetings, so I can't wait to talk to Tito. Are you excited about this offseason going into next year, especially about the way your guys perform getting into uh, that next round against the Yankees? Yeah, this was as enjoyable a season as, as we've had, and, you know, obviously since that World Series run, um, and that even included the 100-win the teams and the winning 22 in a row and all that sort of stuff because it was – really unexpected um when the season started last year i remember i was in cabo um with my wife and a couple of friends and i snuck away to kind of watch the first game against kansas city and we could barely put the ball in play and i was like oh my god this is gonna be such a crappy year like we can't hit and they put it together and they used like 17 rookies this season when you're using 17 rookies, it's usually because your team stinks and um, you got no shot or you have massive injuries. Those weren't the two cases here with, with the Guardians. And they just did a, a phenomenal job of having these kids be ready and the kids being up for the challenge. And they were a fun, fun team to root for. Now, the key is they got to get better because they can't consistently compete with the Houstons and the New Yorks of the world. Uh, and possibly one or two other teams in the American League if they don't get more offense because they're going to have to. On the way out, we got to pick your NFL brain, and the the season obviously exciting. We're about to get to December. The bad weather is here, and it's just going to get worse, and football is always great at this time of the year and in the holidays. So what excites you about this season going forward as, before you know it, we'll be at the playoffs? Well, the team in your area, um, you know, I always watch the Niners closely. I love the way that uh, they're built. I love it. I think it's just awesome. Because they are a team that you could put in any part of the country at any month of the year, and they would be awesome. I mean, we saw it last year with their win up in Green Bay. Um you know, they were a, a dropped Jakarski tart interception away from heading to their second Super Bowl in the last three seasons or whatever it was. So um, they're always super interesting. This is going to be a great game that nobody in the country is basically going to see because of the TV deals this weekend as they host the Dolphins. Um, I'm curious about the, the Dallas Cowboys. I think usually we just talk them up because they're the Dallas Cowboys, but I think there's some substance to their team this year. Um, and I'm a huge Patrick Mahomes guy. I, I just think – I don't think we can be um, over-impressed with what he's done. 
I'm just I'm telling you, I think he's done such a good job to lose a player like Tyreek Hill and replace him with a couple of guys who are solid receivers, but nowhere close to that talent level. And for him to continue to do what he's doing against great competition is fantastic. I'm just such a huge Mahomes guy, and I can't wait until one day we're putting him in the list of top five, top eight quarterbacks of all time, because I don't think that time's too far away. Well, I'll tell you what, working for the Raiders and being on the sidelines for all those years and watching Patrick Mahomes do things that I've never seen any other quarterback do with his body and the way he can deliver the football with that kind of arm strength and the mobility, uh, he is a fun watch, and boy, is he hard to stop. Let's end on this. Let's just say, because I just actually did my guy's football trip to Nevada where we were in a casino for three days betting football, but let's say someone's about to do that and I got to take not one of the top teams, but I'm going to, you know, the, the odds are constantly changing, and I can put some money on a team that's got pretty decent odds. Not one of the top, you know, I'm not betting chalk. I'm not betting one of the best, but I'm betting a team that I think will be on the come time when we get to the playoffs and have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Who would that team be for you? Well, since I work for the NFL Network, I don't know with which you speak in that one area. <laughs> I apologize. But a team that possibly um, – that people aren't going to gravitate toward because I think, you know, those top teams are Kansas City. People love Dallas. Philly. Um, Philly. Uh, Buffalo. Did I say them, I think? No. Buffalo. um I think those are probably the top teams, let's just say. But I think the team that you got to keep your eye on is the one that was there last year, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that um, I don't know where they sit in that little area that you're talking about right now. You can feel free to throw that out there. Um, in fact, I'd be curious myself. But I just – I'm a huge Burrow guy. Even though I'm a Cleveland fan, I just – I love watching him. I think that T. Higgins is unbelievable. Um, what he's done without Jamar Chase the last month has been extraordinary. I think their defense is playing better. The way they shut down Derrick Henry last week, holding him to less than 40 yards. And they know that they can win anywhere at any time. And that's a big deal, that if you can believe in that, you can get it done. So that's the team I'd look at. Great stuff. We always appreciate the time. Hopefully we'll see you in San Diego. Continued success with the podcast and the great work on the NFL Network, and be well. Guys, I appreciate it as always. Thanks. Chris Rose, one of the top TV hosts that we have in this country. He's been doing it for a long, long time. And, of course, he's got his new podcast with different players. It's the rotation. I like how they do that. It gives you a fresh perspective. I got to talk to Cody every day. He gets all these different big leaguers. I get Cody. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. The winter meetings start Monday and A's Cast has you covered. Join Chris Townsend as A's Cast Live will be broadcasting from the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego. Stay up to date on all things green and gold and around Major League Baseball with all major signings. And hear from the biggest names in the sport, such as David Force, Mark Kotze, Terry Francona, Mad Dog Chris Russo, Sarah Langs, and more. Coverage starts Monday at 1 p.m. on A's Cast. And you can watch the show live. Visit YouTube.com slash athletics or on Twitter at AthleticsCast24. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. I got the email today from the Athletics about my bio for the upcoming 2023 media guide. You know, if I kind of, like, fibbed on stuff, do you think they would just put it in there? Uh, It's a good question. I mean, who was that? Was it Mike Selleck? No. Greg. Oh. Greg, the great Greg Corn. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't former, know. Former Guardian employee. That's but was true. originally our employee. I'm, I'm curious to see what you put in there if it ran in. Like, are you, are you talking, like, Ron Burgundy on teleprompter, whatever you put in there that was put on? Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, like, I was uh, – I freedom fighter or i jump out of airplanes or i rescued people in the uh in the in the um south american jungles i mean just something crazy um i think that that would be um they probably will fact check that dude here age um uh, if you want more recently like desert storm or something maybe i will run for president and 2032. Former president of the Broadcasting uh, <laughs> Broadcasters Association at San Jose State University. Chris's goal is just someday to be president of the United States, and he's looking at a campaign for 2032 or 2034, <laughs> whenever it will be. And see if they'll just put it in there. I mean, it'll be kind of funny. But then and then it's in the media guide. Everyone's like, oh, so you have a presidential candidate? First of all, does anybody even read the media guides anymore? And do they even read the broadcasters? We're at the end of the media guy. I think it. I think it also goes online though. Like, who reads that? Well, when well, I mean, you look up the front office directory, I mean, it says right there. They'll say Chris Townsend. No, it goes Billy Bean. It goes David Force. Then it goes. Oh no, our sub channel's way down at the bottom. I mean, it's <laughs> fine side. Even Billy Owens. I mean, it is all these guys. Pam Pitts, the great Pam Pitts, and then we're at the bottom. You think they get to me? I think you have a bigger bio than like I would or Ray would or. Well, you don't have a bio. Oh, yeah, it's just what my title is. Chris brought me over from 95.7 The Game, and that would be like your title. Multimedia producer. Yeah. 
Um, I think we should. I think we should just see what we can get through. Well, now it's out here. What if Greg's watching? Now he knows. Chris does everything for the children and saves lives. Well, speaking of doing things for people, I mean, I oh, here you go. You ready for your the holiday season script? Because it is the holiday yeah. season. True. This holiday season, the A's are celebrating the community champions who are dedicated to improving and supporting our communities. Fans can now self-nominate or nominate a person in their community who they believe has demonstrated courage, strength, and self-sacrifice while lending a helping hand. Nominations can be submitted at athletics.com slash community champion. I'm going to put up the slide on the back on the backdrop here, or in the background, so you'll see it right here, but nominating a community champion. The A's will select one community champion each week in December, highlighting five in total to receive the recognition on the team's social media channels. Each community champion will also receive a special gift from the A's. Fans can nominate a community champion at athletics.com slash community champion until December 20th. That's a Tuesday, December 20th. The A's will select and recognize a community champion each week in December. Athletics.com slash community champion. Uh, it's a great cause. Um, we had Giving Tuesday yesterday, which is also a great, a great day. Um, if you didn't, if you didn't hop on that Friday deal, four Friday tickets and parking for forty nine bucks. I mean, seriously, that that was a no brainer. Yeah, we we ran ad, we ran a, a commercial spot on AceCast from when it started till the end of Monday. We promoted it like crazy on Monday as well when we were on. The deals are flying everywhere. I I mean, do you are you on? I buy a lot of stuff off MLB.com over the years, so they they they're hammering me. Black Friday MLB.com, so you know I I, I contribute to the merchandise that all the different teams split. I contribute to that fund. So when Major League Baseball splits up all the money from the merchandise, I want to be known. I'm not Johnny Freebie. I pay for a lot of stuff. I I, I buy a lot of a lot of the stuff you'll see on A's Cast. I buy myself. Are you getting a lot of those emails? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, Eno's here, so let me add him to the stream and email. Eno gets everything for free. He, this guy hasn't paid for anything. This guy this guy probably hasn't paid for anything at a ballpark in probably what ten years. You think? Uh, not sure, but let's play his open. Play first. is open. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Not only is he our national baseball columnist from The Athletic, he is now a new voter for the Baseball Hall of Fame and if you didn't see him on MLB Network doing the interview, I did. Fantastic job, you know, talking about. Of course, you've been on MLB Network for a long time, but now you're. It's like you're the official guy. You're an official voter. Ten years, ten years. I got my. I got my. Uh, I guess got my print ballot in the mail. It looks like nice. it was also made ten years ago. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, no, I think it. I love how passionate people are about it. Uh, I also hate how passionate people are about it because uh, it is the only thing that I've ever written that has asked, that has made people tell me to go kill myself. So... <laughs> it wasn't it's... the sticky stuff. No, no, it was, uh, it was a, 
it was an argument for Barry Bonds going into the Hall of Fame. That was that was my first foray into uh, how passionate people are about the Hall of Fame, which is cool. I understand it. Uh, but I also think that there's a lot of gray area here that, uh, you know, we have to talk about. I mean, uh, you know, I think the sticky stuff thing has actually been really interesting for me because it was a real eye opening experience to how much cheating is going on in baseball and um, how it really takes a concerted effort from Major League Baseball, from the commissioner's office to stop any sort of cheating, you know. Uh, they they sent out memos. Everyone knew that it, that sticky stuff was cheating. They sent out memos. They said this year we're going to do something about it. Oh, you guys better watch out. This year we're going to do something about it. And it took until umpires were actually fondling pitchers on the mound for us to see any change in in pitch in spin rate. And I I see that as being relevant to Carlos Beltran's uh, candidacy for the Hall of Fame, Gary Sheffield's candidacy, all these sort of fringe. Uh, these people that were involved in things where baseball's enforcement was changing around them, you know, baseball's enforcement of this, the steroid era changed during Gary Sheffield's career, baseball's enforcement of how uh, they, they looked at sign stealing changed uh, during Carlos Beltran's career. So uh, I, I kind of look at those moments and, and th those players in particular are stuck in places where it's it's difficult to talk about it. I mean, I understand that people would be mad if I vote for Gary Sheffield or Carlos Beltran, but um, they're they're a little different for me than like Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez, where their failed tests and their things were much were in a different time. You know, baseball had said we have an enforcement policy. This is what it is. You broke the rules, and you knew there would be consequences. Yeah, I found your interview to be interesting, you know, because Brian Kenny didn't agree with you on quite a bit, which I thought would made for good television. That's what we're all about, right? We want good entertainment. I want to be entertained when I watch MLB Network or when I listen or watch A's cast. I want to be entertained. And this is the very tough part, and it's going to be here for a while. It's going to be, and as you said in the interview, you know, I'm not a, why, why do I have to be the detective? Like, you, I think you said you a sleuth, I think is what you called yourself. It's yeah. like, you know, why do I have to decipher, you know, Gary Sheffield from Alex Rodriguez, from Jeff Bagwell and Mike Piazza? I mean, it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I don't know. It's like, why it's, is Jeff Bagwell the clean one? He was huge, you know, and, and dude, like, do people not understand how steroids work? Like, it doesn't always make you huge. There were pitchers doing it. There are Bartolo Cologne. There, there are also lean people. There are lean people that do steroids. You know, like there are people that you know win sprinting competitions or you know are are, are swimmers. You know, bicyclers are doing steroids. Have you ever looked Blood at doping, a professional? Yeah. Have you ever looked at a professional bicycler and be like, oh yeah, that guy's on steroids? You know. Yes, their thighs are humongous, but it's hard to – it's not easy. You can't just look at someone and say, that guy did steroids. Bartolo Colon, if you lined up everybody and said, take your shirt off, and said, you have to bet your life on picking one of these guys who you know is not on PEDs. <laughs> All right? 25 guys, everybody take their shirt off. Everybody's different sizes, but if, the, if someone had to say pick – and let me tell you something – Bartolo Colon's gut was so big, it was a professional boiler. It was beautiful. Oh my God. It was beautiful. I, that, 
I, I, I have seen it with a shirt. Yeah, on. you know what I'm life. talking about. It's like, <laughs> as a man, you don't want to, like, stand around and watch guys without their shirts off, but you're like, <laughs> right. right? If you if someone had to bet on that A's team, all 25 guys bet your life, who do you think is not on PEDs? You would have chose Bartolo Colon, and guess what? He was the one on PEDs. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it just puts us in an awful position, and, and I wasn't even in the in the clubhouse for a lot of that, you know? So it's kind of a weird spot for me to, 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 to bet on it. And then on top of that, like, you know, the commissioner who was in charge of the steroid era is in the Hall of Fame. So there is some complicit, like, the, like baseball was somehow complicit in this, you know? I'm not just willing to be like, oh, I mean th- – I understand. Kenny said they knew it was against the rules and they did it anyway. I guess. But there wasn't any testing policy. So baseball was kind of like, don't do it. What are we going to do about it? Nothing. It was nothing. I mean, your best argument, and Brian didn't bring this up, your best argument is to have anabolic steroids on you is illegal. You're not allowed to. If it's not, if you don't get, and you're not even going to get a prescription for it, but you're not allowed to be having, as guys have been popped with it in their cars with needles and stuff or at the gym, you're not allowed to legally have anabolic. So it's like, it's illegal, but baseball didn't test for it. I mean, it's so murky. But, but, but then, I mean, then, then let's, I mean, do we want to get into it? Because like, there's, I'm sure there's a, the morals clause. That's the problem. The morals clause, there is a morals clause in the vote. We're supposed to consider this, right? But everyone has a different sense of morals. And if we're going to get into it, there are people who've beaten their wives, you know, people, you know, DUIs, street drugs, street, like there's all sorts of stuff in there. There's, it's not, the hall of fame is not full of beautiful people that are all like, they've all, they all did it exactly the right way. In fact, there are people in the hall of fame who are on PDs. I'm sure of it. I'm just guessing from the number, you know, like the, for, for the percentage of people and the people who are in there. So, uh, so I, I don't really love doing the, the morals bit And the last bit for me. And I didn't get into this with Brian. And I just think this is interesting is to me, the hall of fame is a museum. And I understand that it's difficult to have this conversation with younger people. And that was why somebody who was really mad at me about Barry Bonds, would you tell your child to be like Barry Bonds? And I just, I have children and it's actually easy to talk to them. You just have to talk. You just have to say it. You just have to talk about it. Right. We've gone to museums. Like I went to Momo with my kids. Yes, son. That is what you think it is. <laughs> like, that is the body part you think it is. Right. You know, it's like, you know, like we can have these conversations. So to me, the Hall of Fame is a museum. Put the people in the museum. And if you want to put something on their plaque that says was indicted in the Balco, was this, this happened. If you want to put some information on there, put some information on there and let the record speak for itself. No doubt. You know what I mean? It's a museum of history so then, and all the history. So if it's a museum of history and you're there with your kid and the kid goes, wow, Barry Bonds, look at all these numbers. He was the greatest. You say, read on on that plaque, son. Well, it wasn't all good. And I don't agree with that argument. As someone who's been to the Baseball Hall of Fame three times, the argument that people have that, well, wait a minute, you can have their stuff in the other parts, you know, on the timeline. And they, no, 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 no. You have to tell the, just having Barry Bonds' jersey on the timeline doesn't tell the history of Barry Bonds in baseball. Well, that's a, 
You yeah, need to tell the question. you need to tell the history. Daddy, of why the is game. the best hitter in baseball history not in this room? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's it's like you want you don't go to a World War II or the and I've been to the World War One Museum in Kansas City. It's fabulous. You don't go to that. You don't go to these different Smithsonian's and different museums and not have the bad. The bad's got to right. be in there too because that tells the history. So, but on Sunday. Uh, we're getting to San Diego on Monday. When are you getting there? I'm getting there Sunday. All right. When you're there on Sunday, you land in San Diego. Will we have new Hall of Famers from this veterans class? It takes, you know, when you get that smaller group together, the 75% thing is really rough. You know, that like one person saying no or yes is, is so I think, I think maybe no, you know, because you know, in some ways, some of these players are going to be harder on Barry Bonds than some of the writers. So, you know, I, I kind of, I, I kind of say no, but uh, if it is a yes, it's not Barry and Roger. I don't no, know. no. I got one guy who I think is a for sure. Who's that? Fred McGriff. You're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to have Paul Beeston on that. One of the 16 who was the executive when Fred was there with the blue Jays. Yeah, and you got Maddox, and you got Chipper Jones. So he's got three uh, yeses right out of the gate. Yeah, and and he and he fits that sort of. Did Harold Baines come in off the off yes. that or? Uh, yes. Yeah, he fits that sort of. Was a veteran around a long time, like. But his numbers, players, Brian Kenny did. With him. Brian Kenny did today on MLB Now. His number, his first fifteen years in the big leagues. Him and Bonds are like almost neck and neck on everything, except postseason where Fred McGriff was a monster and Bonds was a choke job. Fred McGriff was one of the – he was one of the main power hitters year after year after year, always in the MVP balloting, one of the best hitters in that and pretty good defensively. Yeah, think back. Fred, I mean, Fred McGriff, if, if there's no strike, Fred McGriff has over 500 home runs. Yeah, and he reminds me a little bit of the Rafael Palmero, you know, without the steroid part of it, where he was just excellent every year, hit for average, hit for power, sweet stroke, like you know, was a was a really good player, uh, was a a, a a a playoff player too, you know, like was a guy in the postseason every year. So, uh, yeah, I could I could see that it would be that kind of player where you know, uh, the players just feel like he was a he was a you know kind of a a good guy. And like, I just don't, you know, the players probably hated Barry as much as anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) He had like three friends. It was Bonilla, Mike Devereaux. And there was somebody else. There was like three friends in the game and that was it. Um, We just had Chris Rose on and Chris Rose is a broadcaster and is definitely about the entertainment and TV side of things. And now doing the podcast. So I asked him this question he wasn't into it. I think I'm going to ask you the same question. I think I'm going to get a different response. We're going to the winter meetings, and there's quite a few guys that we're talking big numbers and certain years, and looking at their ages is interesting. So you're looking at maybe, I don't know, eight to ten years for Aaron Judge, whatever you're believing out there. That's paying him into his 40s. Verlander trying to get three years. He's at 39 now. DeGrom trying to get X amount of years. He's going to be 30. He's 35, about to be 36. Uh, We got older guys looking for big money and guaranteed years. How do you feel about that? 
you know, sometimes it's the 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 price of admission um, that you just know you're going to have these guys at the end when you're paying them and they're either not on the roster. You know, I think the worst case scenario is kind of like the Eric Hosmer situation where you pay like a large dollar amount for a guy that isn't worth that early on in the deal. And it's not because of injury or age. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> he's just not worth like, it. He's not worth it. So, so then you're like, Oh man, we have like the, the Padres for like three, four years have been like, what do we do with this contract? You know, they finally paid to get rid of him, you know, 43 um, million, the Padres are pay, or at least it was last year. I don't know what this year is. No, no, it's going to be this year. They're going to pay $43 million, or maybe it's the overall, whatever it is, $43 million is going from the Padres bank account to the Red Sox bank account for Eric Hosmer. That's crazy. It is crazy, but, you know, the the what's what would have been better for the Padres is if you've been hurt a lot. Now, the, re- the, re- the reason this makes sense to me is that there's unlimited injured list spots, you know, for a team. You can have as many injured list spots as you want. So if the person is good when they play, but is just hurt a lot, which is what happens with older guys, especially older pitchers, I think, that's actually okay. Especially if you have an okay farm system where you bring somebody up and you've got a pretty good guy for a while. And then what you're hoping is that Jacob deGrom is healthy in November. In October, it will be November by then. We'll be playing it in December pretty soon. Yeah, <laughs> Christmas Day. It's Game Four of the World Series. Yeah. So, so uh, I think the play for a lot of these big teams, like the Dodgers and Yankees, is you know we're we're trying to bring our depth up. That's why we pay a, a million and a half dollars for Shelby Miller because we want to just we want to have the bottom of our roster has to be good too. But we're also going to pay for somebody who might be hurt near the end of his career, but he'll still be good when he's in. That's why you do it for superstars. You don't give the middle of the order guys too many years. So uh, you, you like give it Degrom, Verlander, whatever they want because they'll probably be good or hurt. Uh, and so I, that's how I make make it make sense to me when when you talk about years and and stuff like that. But you just don't want to get stuck giving a middle guy big money. That's the one thing you don't want to do. All right, the one position that we are looking at that it's loaded again, it's shortstop. And you're looking around and you're saying, well, do I want Dansby? Do I want Turner? Correa is so interesting to me because you you would have thought this had got no way Astros would have ever let him go, but they did. Xander Bogarts, oh, it, it's he'll never play for the Red Sox again. That's what's being reported now. It's like, okay, stop. I mean, we heard that with Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. How'd that work out? Uh, uh Willie Adamas supposedly is available with the Brewers. I mean, pick a shortstop. They're 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 all over the place. Uh, are we going into San Diego? Going? I don't know where they're going to be, but it's going to be interesting. They are. They're all going to make out really well. Yeah, they are. But the the thing that's so perilous about buying a shortstop on the market is uh, old shortstops don't really exist anymore. You know. Uh, last year there were two, two or three shortstops. I think Elvis Andrews, uh, and Brandon Crawford were the only ones over 30. That's right. Yeah. So 30 is a demarcation line. Guess what? Correa is 28. Yeah. Uh, I think you got 29 on Xander and the other two are 30. So you have to 
on some level think about where are they going to play next? So when I was looking through these guys and I, and I looked through their arms, their, their legs, power, and their, and their plate skills. And um, the, none of them are, uh, are that fast. Uh, Trey Turner is second fastest shortstop and he's like top five in baseball. So he's pretty fast. He's he can play outfield. Guy. Exactly. That's, that may be why I like him the best because he can play shortstop, but he's the only one I think of the four that can play center. Afterwards, you know, it kind of sounds like running backs in the NFL. Once you hit 30, you're done. You know, the days of Marcus Allen being 36 and running the rock, uh, that that's not happening. So, okay, so let's play this game. Correa, you would say size wise gets older, plays third, right? Plays third. I think Xander plays third. Swanson plays second, maybe. Uh, that's why I also looked at the arm. Dansby Swanson had the 48th strongest arm at shortstop last year out of 50. He's the modern-day David Eckstein? <laughs> yeah. I, I, and you know what's changing next year? First base is going to be bigger, right? Well, you so, said it's what did you say? It's a medium or large pizza box? Yeah. So bang-bang plays are even bang-banger. So, you Never know, thought about not, that. You may not think arm strength is that important, but think about how many bang bang plays there are at first. There That's a lot, a lot more. That could be a lot. We, we with the, with the extra bases, we've thought everything about stolen bases, right? For the extra yeah. bases, there's We're, some we, singles in there too. There may be a lot of singles, especially with replay, and you got to go back because umpires are so used to calling it also by the sound of uh-huh. of the guy hitting the bag, and they're just used to the timing. Now that sound's going to come quicker. We may have a lot more replays, and we may have a lot more. We may have a lot more infield hits. Something to check. The the other thing about uh, the ages is with Correa being twenty eight, maybe you get a year or two more of him at short. So you know, I really like uh, uh, Correa. I think overall the best uh, as a bat, and the fact that he's a little bit younger. Um, you know, in terms of uh, power, Correa is the best option of the bunch. In terms of patience at the plate, Correa is the best option of the bunch. So I think his bat alone is the best. I think Trey's overall athleticism is 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 better than his. So those are my two favorite. I'm a little afraid that Dansby gets big money, but is more of a middle player. So I think there's a bit of a trap there where people will say, oh, well, I'm not spending the 250 it took to get Trey or the 300 or whatever it took to trade Trey. I'm only spending 175 to get Dansby. Well, what if he ends up being your second baseman, you know, two years from now and you're you're paying, you know, a lot for an OK second baseman in three years, four this, years? This takes me back to my rule at this time of the year. And you can tell me whether I'm full of it or not. But this always scares me when the team that has you and the team that loves you goes, eh. And I'm thinking about that, like if the Mets love DeGrom so much. You wouldn't even allow him to be talking to these other teams. But we'll see. Maybe he is back with the Mets. Maybe he's not. All of a sudden, supposedly the Rays are involved. Let's just see. Rays, Rangers, whatever. Dansby, you think about him in Atlanta. They've gone out and signed everybody else. They haven't every, signed. Every, yeah, everybody else is under contract for 10 years. <laughs> Look at the Astros. The Astros said bye-bye to Garrett Cole. They said bye-bye to Carlos Correa. They just won a World Series. So there's something about the team that has you allows research. you to leave they know you better than anybody else that always worries me 
that's there's research that confirms your what you're saying. Like, is there that? Yeah, there's research See, by Matt. Swartz. And Cody says that I never use research. Ah, uh, well, you didn't. You just came up with this one, but you were right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's research that shows that teams that uh, that players that stay with their own teams do better. And I think it does have to do. I think it actually has to do with a lot of the softer science parts where it's like, you see how hard this guy works every day. You know, it's harder for a scout to like sit in on a, you know, a series and and it's kind of hard. Like, you know, teams will even call writers sometimes and be like, Hey, you know, how was this guy in the clubhouse? Well, the writer then is like, Oh, well, he was mean to me. So I don't like him whatever, you know, (laughs) like, you know, everyone has their own, like scouting makeup is very difficult. The best way to scout makeup, is to be around a guy for three, four, five years, you know, then you really know like, Oh yeah, that guy's a dick to reporters, but he works hard. Yeah. You know, the other guy, that's what gets me about Correa. Like Correa really showed himself. I don't know if you got to see it. It's you can find it on YouTube, but when they brought in Correa to be on TBS and he sat there and talked about money and he talked about the numbers that get you money. And then he talked about how he tells the younger players, this is what you should focus on because this is what front offices focus on and this is how you get paid. It was money, money, money. And I think of two things that kind of, he's not always healthy and he's so money motivated. And those two things just make me think, "Eh, is that why we haven't seen anybody just go, I mean, because – Years ago, you would thought Carlos Correa is on the market at that age. I'm signing him right now. I you would have thought everybody would have been all in. Well, I mean, I think there's also some, there's just some concerns with injury and body size, like you're saying. Can he be shortstop for how long, and so on and so forth? Um, he his arm strength uh, was actually the best of the group, but his legs are the he's the slowest of the of the group. Um, but but th- there's a flip side to that because I I know a couple players that fit this mold that you're talking about. Um, and I know that for Correa and for this other player I'm thinking of, um, it's like other players love them and, um, it actually can be useful in the clubhouse because they become you know, sort of technology and data adapters. And they tell the young kids, yeah, maybe the motivation is money, but it is work and they're all trying to make money. And what they end up, what ends up happening is they are provide leadership where it's actually good for the team. Like other players then start being like, Oh, maybe I should try out that technology that the Carlos Correa is using. He just told me that can make me better in a way that I'll get a better contract later. You know, like the end result is still the players around them get better. Like it's weird leadership. Yes. It's like money based, but but the players around them get better. It can flip on you because if, if your goal in life and all these different I've been reading a lot this offseason about the brain, the human mind and how to achieve and once you've reached your goal, a lot of people don't keep getting better. And if this goal of yours is always just money motivated and you end up signing this big deal and now money is not the motivator anymore and now we hit those years where you're 33, 34, 35, 36 and the motivation that got you to be great was always the money. You know, that's where, that's where yes, I hear what you're saying. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to make money. That means I want to be better. I want to use this technology. I want to use this data and everything. That, that, okay, that can be. But will that always motivate you for your entire career to be the best you possibly can be? Because we, we all know the old fat and happy changes people. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of these guys also then start caring about their Hall of Fame credentials and their place in the game. And like, you know, they do have a different, it shifts to a different level. I mean, you can see somebody like Nolan Arenado where, you know, he was motivated to get a big contract, but once he got into St. Louis and they were winning, like he, he made major changes to his swing and his approach this year, pulled more fly balls than he had ever pulled in his career uh, and had really, you know, he looks now his whole career trajectory was kind of coming down. It's like back up to another level. Like definitely he was like maybe fringe hall of fame ish. And now he looks like he's on a hall of fame kind of a trajectory. So people can kind of adjust a little bit and be like, okay, now, now I've got the big money. Now I care about making the hall of fame or whatever it is. So, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I, I will say that the, the research does suggest that, um, that teams get their best look at, at the, the team that had the player gets the best look at the player. Uh, and they do get, they do get to offer them money, right? Like they do get to, you know, they, they do get to have a long window of, of, of negotiation, a longer window of negotiation than teams on the free agent market do. When are we talking to Eno uh, at the winter meetings? Do you know the date? What, what is the date, Cody? Uh, I told Eno we talk about it, but I mean, whenever he's available. Because I, I want, I want, I want Eno to make a big, bad, bold prediction right now, and then we see if it comes true and shower him with greatness while we're in San Diego. So, let can you do Wednesday? Um, I'm flying out Wednesday. So Tuesday's better. All right, Tuesday better. All right. Do you have anything in your crystal ball so we can show what a genius you are? Do you think will happen at the winter meetings before you come on with us? None of the shortstops sign. And the first big signing will be uh, a starting pitcher. So it would be Verlander or DeGrom. Before Judge. Yeah. Wow. So you're talking... Four shortstops and judge, right? So the shortstops, I think there's a lot of setting the market, right? Yeah. One guy has to sign, and then everyone's like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Like, whoever's the number one shortstop signs, and then you'll, like, in the next three, two weeks, you'll be like, blah, 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 the rest of the shortstops. Because they'll be like, oh, I'm not going to get more than him. You know what I mean? Like, like they'll be yeah. like a setting the market. Aaron Judge is setting the market for everybody. Like, he's the, so he's going to wait the longest. He just wants the biggest number. He's going to wait the longest. So I like so. it. I like it. So here you have star shortstops, a guy coming off one of the greatest years in the history of baseball. You would think in normal business times, I'm going after these guys, right? No, no, no. The old pitchers will sign first. I think so. I think so. Also, like we've it. seen a pretty good track record with uh, with old starting pitchers recently. They've been pretty good. Max Scherzer has been really good into late into his career. Um, you know, Adam Wainwright's been really good. Like, like we've had really good old starting pitchers. So I, I kind of feel like and, and the market has been set for them last year. You know, Max Scherzer made like it's making like 40 million a year. So if you want Jacob DeGrom or Justin Verlander, you pay, pony up. 320 330 you know 450 whatever it is 160 like that's that's what they don't need to wait around like Carlos Rodon is not going to set the market for Jacob DeGrom you know so I think that they're a separate market so I think yeah I think DeGrom or Verlander were signed first well I said this earlier in the show I, I I I used to believe everything I read on the internet and Twitter anything that was on there I thought was gospel until this 
the Rays are going to sign DeGrom. <laughs> now I don't believe everything. There is no way in hell next year at the Coliseum, you know, you and I are there and we're writing Rays starting pitcher Jacob DeGrom in our scorebook. There's no way that happens. <laughs> I can't I can't see it. I do. They're always involved with any player that like says maybe one year is okay. I think that's the, that's what they're like. Oh, one year. Yeah, we can give you one. But I like we've seen in the past their biggest one year outlays are like twelve million and fifteen million. You know, so just like maybe they could have gotten Abreu if the market had gotten really bad for Abreu. Maybe that Josh Bell they could get for one year and fifteen million. But they're not. They're not. I don't think they're going one twenty five, one thirty, one thirty five. And I think even to get Degrom on a one year deal, it would be it would have to get close to that Scherzer forty. You know. There's just no way the Rays are putting out one and 30 for anybody. Play the man, his sponsorship. The Eno Saris show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. He's our national baseball columnist from The Athletic. I hope everybody, they had a great Black Friday deal. I mean, he basically got the athletic for nothing. You should get on. It's the best journalism in sports, no question. Fieldwork brewing. Eno, fabulous. We'll see you in San Diego. See you in San Diego. That is our man, Eno Saris. Great once again. Coming up next, a lot to react to. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to make a case for a guy to be a baseball Hall of Famer. I want you to think about this. He was arguably the best slugger and he hit like Tony Gwynn all at the same time. And he's not in the Hall of Fame? Next, right here on A's Cast Live. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Oakland Athletics begin spring training on February 25th. Now's the time to make plans to catch us in Mesa, Arizona, and enjoy the sunshine of your family and friends. Buy your tickets early for the best seats at the lowest prices as your green and gold take on the Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Angels, and more at Ho-Ho Camp Stadium. And Tony, it's a deep drive to right in the corner. Gritchick going back. He'll turn and watch it fly. Get your tickets at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. The winter meetings start Monday and A's cast has you covered. Join Chris Townsend as A's Cast Live will be broadcasting from the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego. Stay up to date on all things green and gold and around Major League Baseball with all major signings. And hear from the biggest names in the sport, such as David Force, Mark Kotze, Terry Francona, Mad Dog Chris Russo, Sarah Langs, and more. Coverage starts Monday at 1 p.m. on A's Cast, and you can watch the show live. Visit youtube.com slash athletics or on Twitter at AthleticsCast24. 
The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. I want to continue this conversation. You wouldn't live in Palo Alto for free and get paid over a million dollars? I mean, that's great, but if you're going to win football games, I don't know if Stanford's the university I would go to. Okay. Are you all about just being Johnny Football Guy and, and going into the SEC and being Lane Kiffin? Or would you want to go to a place of higher education, great place to live, and a job where, by the way, your kids go to school there for free, all the perks of being at Stanford? Or are you just about winning football? If you're just about being a football coach, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm looking at it from being a football coach perspective. Because you don't have a lot of perspective. You don't look at it that you could live with your family in Palo Alto in a multi-million dollar home in California and work with the smartest student athletes in the country at a place that is known for winning what they've won the Sears Trophy, whether it is for being the best athletic department in the country. How many times? Uh, I don't know. Like 11 or something like that. So it's working for you're working around your in the body and your peers are some of the smartest people in the world. You're looking at it, I want to go win football games at Pitt. Yeah, they don't win games either, though, so it's okay. So do you see my perspective? Because you looked at me like I was crazy. No, no, no. I no, do. yes, you did. No, I, no, I do see your You said, who would want to go there? Who they had? Uh, they've had some, I don't know, Bill Walsh. Yeah. Dennis Green. And Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. They've had some, John Ralston. They've had some pretty impressive coaches at Stanford over the years. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. They haven't. You, no, you started but basic, but off I, the air. You started with me like, "Oh, it's a crap job. Why would you want to go there? You'll never win." Uh, if you're looking as a football coach to win a national title, I don't put Stanford in that conversation. Okay, then where do you go then? Where uh, do you go? Or win some? I mean, where do you know? Win a national title. There's 118 Division One football programs. How many coaches have a chance? You're not going to UCLA to win it. Is that a bad job? Uh, that's a great job. Like, uh, wait, wait, you're not going to win a national title. They might this year. They're top four team right now. UCLA is. Oh, they said, sorry. I thought you said USC. No, I said UCLA. Uh, no. Okay, where in the Big Ten are you going to go to win? A, uh, Wisconsin was just uh, – you're going to go to – Wisconsin's a good job. I'd, I'd probably go there. But you're not winning a national title at Wisconsin. Could win at Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. You're going to win at Penn State? Pretty good track record. When are you going to win? You're going to win at Penn State. There is literally a handful of schools where you can win the national title. Everybody else, you're looking for a good job. The majority uh, SEC schools where you can have a chance to win a national title. Really? Who's won one? In the SEC? Mm-hmm. Alabama. Georgia. Okay, Alabama's not up. Nick Saban signed there. I'm just saying. Georgia's signed there. I'm just saying if you want to win a national those are the schools. Those are the best okay, for, uh, Georgia just and, – and, and just to, to the, when was the last time Georgia won a national championship? The Nays won last year? No, before then. When was the oh, last time I, where Georgia, you can win a national championship? I don't even know when the last time they won. Uh, Herschel Walker was there in the early 80s. That's how long ago it was. God. 
Oh, tell me all these other great jobs. Oh, Tennessee, what they won one with T. Martin, so they've won one in the last how what, many years? What was that? Nineteen ninety nine. When's the last Florida? Urban Meyer, uh, he's been gone for a long time. Florida's stunk ever since. Fifteen years. So ago? just because you go to the SEC, Mississippi State's never won one. Ole Miss has never won one. Kentucky's never won one. Vanderbilt has never won one. Do Do I need to keep going? How many jobs you can actually win the national title? No, but I'm also not motivated by money either. Well, that's what you'd be. That's not what Stanford is. You're not motivated by money going to Stanford. You're motivated by a great job around great people in a in an environment like no other. And I hate Stanford as a San Jose State guy. I competed against them and I beat them. But if you're not motivated by money, don't contradict yourself. Then you'd be more in the Stanford case. Well, that's well, I'm, well, I'm not motivated by money. I don't care if I get a free house. Like that's, but not, if you're, that's not a selling point for me. Like, oh, you're going to get a free. I, I don't. That doesn't matter to me. Well, you'd be getting the same thing at all these other places, but you're not. Are you, are you going to give me a free house and I go three and nine every year? Like, what's the point? You're not in Starksville, Mississippi. Cost of living's a lot lower. Oh now, oh, now it's about money. <laughs> you are so. That's but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, this, I mean, what the whole the whole reason about this is because Greg Roman. Reportedly, he's going to interview for this. And by the way, it's not that long ago, Jim Harbaugh had them with, and David Shaw. Shaw did a great job. Had them in BCS games. More BCS games in Penn State. Mm, Uh, Yeah. I mean, Penn Penn State has not won anything. I'm I'm not a Penn State fan, but. Well, you brought up Penn State. I can bring up all these schools that you'll talk about are great jobs. I can say, what do they want? I mean, they were just in the Rose Bowl a few years ago. When they haven't won a national title since what the eighties? Uh, then they went in ninety five, but I don't know how. Was how that the hurt when they beat the Hurricanes of Vinny Testaverde? Ninety five? No, that was ninety five. Testaverde was in the NFL in the eighties. Was that ninety? Tell me, was Penn, has Penn State won a national title since I've been out of college? I thought they won one in nineteen ninety five. Yeah, see. that was my last year. My last year of baseball. What, what is that? What, I don't want volleyball. I know they have a good volleyball program. Football. Um, just give me a second because this is a long article. 1994. Yeah. Oh, it's, oh, sorry. Undefeated seasons. I don't uh, think I'll, they won the national championship that year. But anyway, they haven't won a national championship since the night. You know how long ago the 90s was? Where were you at? Where were you in the 90s? I would have been six in 94. And you're bragging about that's the last time you won a national championship. My God. What are we talking about here? Stanford is a. Stanford is an unbelievable job, and a lot of people in coaching will tell you that. And, yes, getting a fat house in Palo Alto, California, and all the different different perks at being at Stanford versus being at these schools in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest and the South. Are you kidding me? Uh, it says unclaimed national title, 1994. I don't know what, what we call and it. And when was the one before that, in the 80s? Uh, 1986. But according to him, it's a place where you go to win the national championship. Or compete for one. What, in the 90s? Is Joe Paterno coming back from the grave? Is he? Uh, no. Plus, there's a lot of – we don't need to get into Paterno. No. Oh, yeah, bring up your new – your coach. What's his great, unbelievable – what's he won? See, he's won at Penn State. He won the Fiesta Bowl, the Cotton Bowl. Oh, the Outback Bowl. They lost in the Rose Bowl. Oh, the pin! Oh, he was in the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium. Ooh, the Music City Bowl—that's big time. Oh, that was at Vanderbilt. Where was he last year? 
Uh, last year they were seven and six. This year they're ten and two. Oh, they're nine and four in twenty twenty. Huh? That sounds like a national championship. No, they were four and five in twenty twenty. Oh, they were four and five. They only played nine games. They're four, seven and six, four and five. These sounds like nine and four. It sounds like real national championships. Save it. Penn State's also a very good academic school too. Compared to Stanford? Well, no, but I'm saying if if we want to compare schools, you want to be in Happy Valley in the middle of Pennsylvania versus Palo Alto, California. I I, I do not want to live in Central Pennsylvania. Yeah, you live. That's why here. don't that's why I don't live in Pennsylvania? Case and point. All right, I thought. MLB Network did an unbelievable job breaking down. Who do you want to start with? You want to start out with Fred McGriff or Don Mattingly? Uh, do the crime dog because he might be the only guy that maybe gets on off the contemporary okay. ballot. First 15 years of Barry Bonds and Fred McGriff's career. So this is 1998 to 2002 for McGriff. For Bonds, it's 1986 to 1999. So this is what we – this is not actually 100% accurate because the Game of Shadows have, has Barry Bonds first doing PEDs in 97. But Bonds – and Bonds got hurt. What was – did Bonds get hurt where he, he tore the tricep? This is when the steroids really first started. It's either 97, 98, Bonds got hurt with the tricep. His, uh-huh. Basically, his tricep tore off the bone. He played in 100 and, let's see, um, in 94. Well, that was, that was a strike here. Um, 102 games in 99. So it would have been 99. Yeah. He still finished 24. All right. MVP so voting. this is 1986 to 1999. So first 15 years of the career. Batting average, Fred McGriff, 288. Barry Bonds? Was it like 287? 288. On base percentage, 380. Bonds, 410. Bonds advantage, but a few more walks. Slugging, Fred McGriff, 514. Bonds, 559. Advantage Bonds. Home runs, Fred McGriff, 31. Barry Bonds, 32. So that's the average. RBIs, Fred McGriff, 97. Bonds, 93. Total bases, this is this tells you, I mean, Total bases, Fred McGriff, 277, Bonds, 278. Look how close they are. Barry Bonds, major PEDs, next, you know, hits 73. He's walking more than anyone in the history of the game, and the rest is history. Fred McGriff, oh, let's do one more. Postseason comparison during that time. Fred McGriff in the postseason hit 303. Barry Bonds, 200. 102 points higher, Barry Bonds hit in the postseason than Fred McGriff. On base percentage, 385 to 323. Slugging. Barry Bonds, the all-time home run king. Before steroids, in the postseason, slugging percentage for Fred McGriff versus Barry Bonds. Fred McGriff, 532 Take a guess on Barry. Mm, what was slugging? Post-season? 532 for Fred McGriff. Mm, three, 350. You're not even close. 288. That's not good. Bonds hit 200 with a slugging percentage of 288 versus McGriff's 303 average and slugging of 532. I mean, Bonds played in the playoffs three times with the Giants. 
97, 2000, and 2002. He, 97. This, by the way, these numbers, you're, you're going in a different direction here. These numbers, I'm trying to compare McGriff and Bonds. So this was through 99. So that 2000 down oh, yeah, yeah. doesn't so, count. Yeah, so it was mainly with the three years with the Pirates and one year with the Giants when they Where lied. he did nothing. Yeah, he was not. I mean, he had one home run. And, and from the 1990 playoffs to 97 with the Giants, he had one home run. Barry Bonds did. Yeah. Not right. not until the 2000 World 2002 World Series after this is when he started hitting most of his postseason home runs. Fred McGriff was a perennial all-star. Fred McGriff won a World Series with the Braves. Fred McGriff was highly touted in trade talks. Remember the big trade from Toronto to San Diego, San Diego to Atlanta. Giants fans remember when the historic run by the Braves to catch the Giants. That was led by the trade by Fred McGriff. He was huge. 93, right? I mean, Fred McGriff was a beast. And it wasn't for the the lockout. Stri- was the lockout or strike? What were they? It was a, it was a strike. 94. Player strike? Was a player strike? I think so. 94 to 90. Or did the owners lock him out? Uh, I don't. I, I was five. Whatever. I think it was, yeah, it probably was a strike. Yeah, because they didn't come back until 90. Some way through 95. Fred McGriff had 500 home runs. Yeah, he finished with 493. He would have so, easily had it. To me, Fred McGriff, I don't know how you – I mean, Fred McGriff should have been voted. It's like, look at all the numbers. Look at the accomplishments. He's one of the only guys ever to leave the American League and the National League in home runs. I'm trying to see if we can find how, what his highest percentage of votes were, Hall of Fame. Because obviously he's off the, the actual ballot, but I want to know what it was. Um – was 39 really the highest he ever got? It was 39%? It's really interesting. And you're talking about putting Scott Rowland in versus Fred McGriff? Wow. His highest vote total was 39.8. His, then it fell, I think, on his last year on the ballot to 11.7. This guy was a premium slugger. I mean, I don't have defensive metrics on me. I watched a lot of Fred McGriff. He did not suck defensively. Fred McGriff was a slugger was a legit run producer year after year after year. Give him his career war at 52.6. 52.6. I mean, it's this guy did not suck, what? and he doesn't get the love of the war because he played first base. Yeah, and 134 career OPS plus member league average is 100. I'm trying to see what's, where his defensive stats are. So, I, that one, how about the Don Mattingly? Now, we all know Don Mattingly. Had a bad back, and that ended up really changing his career. But let me just give you some numbers on Don Mattingly. Was Don Mattingly the best player at one point? Look at these numbers from 1984 to 1987. They're amazing. Can you imagine this player today? His batting average from 1984 to 1987 was 337. So he hits for a high average. His on-base percentage, 381. Fantastic. But his slugging is 560. 560. And his OPS plus is 155. From 1984 to 1987. He's an MVP. These numbers, how about this? From 1984 to 1989, total bases. That's a big deal in our sport. Correct. Who do you think had the most total bases in all of baseball over guys who were in the Baseball Hall of Fame, 1984, 1989? 
Who do you think had the most total bases? Donnie Baseball. By a lot. 1,978. The next closest guy is George Taco Bell at 1,858. Kirby Puckett, Hall of Famer's on the list. Wade Boggs on the list. And also another guy who we think could get voted in, maybe should get voted in, Dale Murphy's on the list. Two-time MVP. But he led in total bases. He... How about this for strikeouts? From 1984 to 1989, Don Manley struck out 206 times and walked 293. He had way more walks than strikeouts, and he's a power hitter. What do you think the most times he struck out in a year was? Hold on, I'm not done. Okay. Uh, highest slugging percentage from 1984 to 1987. You've got Mike Schmidt on this list. You've got Daryl Strawberry on this list. Dale Murphy and George Bell. Remember, George Bell was a terrific player with the Blue Jays. From 1984 to 1987, no one had a better slugging percentage than Don Mattingly at 560. That's including Mike Schmidt, who led the National League in home runs eight times. Mike Schmidt, one of the great power hitters in the history of baseball. Don Mattingly, in his time, hit like Mike Schmidt and Tony Gwynn. And when I mention Tony Gwynn, why? Because you have to understand... Tony Gwynn, bat-to-ball skills, is one of the greatest who have ever played. Didn't hit for a lot of power, but bat-to-ball, Tony Gwynn was amazing. That's why he has all the batting titles and never struck out. Don Mattingly, 80-40-87, I told you, hit 337. Gwynn hit 341. But Gwynn only slugged 457 to where Mattingly led all of baseball 560. So, essentially, you're looking at a player. I don't know. Is there anybody we can compare that to in modern-day baseball who is the best power hitter and is also the best average guy? He's both. He's literally there with Tony Gwynn in average when he's got the good bat and he's got the best slugging percentage. Who would we, like, Bonds became that guy when he was Super Barry. Or Bonds won a batting title and he was the most feared power hitter but that was that was on juice who is a guy right now playing who you could look at that's a power average he's the entire package I don't know if we have a guy like that right now I mean Aaron Judge had a really good year average wise and he came close to winning the batting title and he had the most home runs if we're talking about a guy in the last 20 or so years I think Pulhos was that guy Pulhos always had a high batting average. that's a long time ago now yeah the, I right. mean, who do we have now because we talk about all these players today who do we have now that's that guy? Who do we have that could actually have a 560 slugging percentage and have a 337 average? Well, nobody hits that high in baseball anymore, average-wise. That's not true. I remember who said that to us. Oh, it was um, – what's his name? He always has the guitar in the back. Petriello. Oh, yeah, that's – Mookie Betts when he won the MVP at 340. We act like oh, no one can hit for a higher average. Mookie Betts did it when he was the MVP. Um, if Goldschmidt, do, what is I mean? Goldschmidt's put up some yeah, nice average years. Yeah, he he's with power. Pretty, he's a pretty he's close. Um, Arenado's not there yet. I mean, his batting average is usually pretty good, but it's not three thirty good. Um, I mean, Jordan Alvarez had a good year. I mean, he hit three oh six and he had a six thirteen slugging and he had thirty seven home runs. Phenomenal. Yeah, but that was one year. I don't know if we have a guy that can do that on a third stretch. I mean, this is Don Mattingly doing I mean, Don Mattingly in the 80s is one of the best. And for a different, for a certain period of time, he was the best. He was the standard. He's got the hardware. 
and the gold gloves, and the and he's another one when you look at his war. Don Malley won nine gold gloves, but he gets no credit for war because of his defense because he played first base. War craps on defensive first baseman. I would I would I would love to throw Harper in there, but he his average always fluctuates. Like two eighty six this year, three oh nine the year before, then two sixty eight, then two sixty, two forty nine. 319, but the year he won the MVP at 330 and had a 1,019 or 1,009, 1,109 OPS. You know what? That is – I'm glad you brought him up. You have you, – you have – um, you have his uh, – you have Harper's best year there? Uh, his best year what, – what, what are we basing off of? His two yes. MVP years were his best years. Okay. We'll take whatever year is the best year. We'll do the. We'll do his. MVP. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. Donnie Baseball's best season MVP versus a guy. We're all. I like Bryce Harper. I'm a fan. I. I. I if Bryce Harper was an Oakland A and was repping us, and he was out there playing hard every day and and doing what he does, I know because there's some people who do not like Bryce Harper. That's a fact. I like Bryce Harper. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a Bryce Harper fan. I love this whole thing with Philly. I, I I understand he's a wonder boy. He's got that LeBron James thing where he's been on Sports Illustrated in high school and all that kind of stuff that people don't like. It's jealousy is what it's called. But I'm a Bryce Harper fan. All right. You we'll go we'll go we'll go mark for mark here. Where do you want us to you, you just tell me what I'll use his his MVP where he was twenty two years old. Start wherever you want, whatever whatever number. Um, How many games did he play? 153. Uh, Don Mattingly uh, played in 159. Okay, Harper had. So, guy went to the post. Mattingly went to the post more than Bryce Harper. Yes. Um, 118 runs scored. 118 runs scored. Don Mattingly had 107. Um, he had a, Well, he had 172 hits. Don Mattingly had 211. That's pretty good. Uh, 38 doubles. 38 doubles. That's cute. Don Mattingly had 48. Uh, 42 home runs. Don Mattingly had 35. Uh, he only had 99 RBI. Harper did. 330 batting average. What did you just say? 330 batting average. What did you just say in, in RBIs? 99. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted. All these numbers we're talking about, you're talking about your MVP, his best year. He had 99 RBIs. 99. Oh, guys, I'm going to base Ken Traffin mid. Really? Do we really believe no one was on base? Uh, No, I don't know what that Nats team was like that No year. one was on base, really. You want to know what Donnie Baseball had? Probably like 130 or 140. 145. 145 in 159 games. Don Mattingly drove in 145 RBIs. That's how great he was. Uh, okay, but Mattingly probably way less strikeouts and more uh, Harper had more walks, but he had way less strikeouts. Mattingly would have. How, how many walks did he have? 124. Yeah, Mattingly had 156. My guy hits. Uh, he had 156 walks that year? No, no, he had 56 walks. Oh, 56, okay. Yeah. Um, 330 average. Mattingly, 324. Uh, By the way, the year before, Mattingly's all-time is 343, where he won a batting title. This was Harper's best year, 330. Um, a one- oh, by the way, the year after Mattingly won the MVP, Mattingly hit, and was second in the MVP the year after, uh, Mattingly hit 352. 
649 slugging percentage. 649 slug. Manually was 567. So he had 1,109 1, OPS. What was his total bases? 338. 338. That's cute. Don Manley's was 370. You know what Don Manley's was the year after that? 388. Harper's had over 300 twice. It was this year in the both years he won the MVP. I mean, you can't, you can't let me. The next year, Don Manley didn't win the MVP. And had 388 total bases, OPS plus of 161, and didn't win the MVP. Harper's the MVP was 198. Like who? Who was he playing against? What, like, years, what year is that? 86. It's 1986, where he hit 352, drove in 113. Look at the what's the most RBIs Harper's ever had in a, in, in a year? It was his MVP year. He had um, uh, actually he did that wasn't his best. He had 114 his first year in Philly. He had out, that that. How many years has he even driven in 100? Uh, twice. Back I mean, back that, I mean, how about that? This is this is Mattingly. Look at this: 110, 145, 113, 115, 113. I mean, come on. Um, you said 86. The MVP was Roger Clemens. So he lost to Roger Clemens, a pitcher, and you're looking at the number. Don Mattingly that year he lost the MVP to Roger Clemens. Had 238 hits. That's Ichiro. He's Ichiro with power. The next closest, and if you're looking at the MVP, Kirby Puckett at 223. Look at this. He's Ichiro with power. He hit 352, 238, 31 home runs, and 113 RBIs. He's Ichiro. He's Tony Gwynn with power. I was looking at. Do you now see why when people say Don Manley should be a Hall of Famer? I never dis- never thought he wasn't. But his bat, his his back went bad, and they were talking about it as people covered him, saying, you know, the last few years. That's why they say that last stretch in '95, Don Manley best basically told everybody, said, "Hey, screw it, I'm not going to protect the back anymore. I'm going all out." And he was a monster the last two months because he wasn't trying to protect his back anymore. He went all out. But look at this: Gold Gloves. We have nine, I think. Let's see. Nine gold gloves, MVP, silver slugger, all-star, batting title. He did everything you can do in the game. The only, the only thing he didn't do, and it's not a, it's not his fault. Win a World Series? I was going to say play in the postseason. He played in the postseason his last year. He it. played in the postseason. He played one year in the postseason, 1995. And hit 417. Yeah, in the, in the incredible series against the uh, – Mariners when he was 34 years old, and he was his last year. I'm not a Yankee fan. Everybody knows that. I hate the Yankees. Don Manley should be in the Hall of Fame. Fred McGriff should be in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't disagree about either of those guys. Del Murphy should be in the Hall of Fame, too. Uh, Bonds and Clemens are not getting in. Most likely not. I'm going to say most likely. They, they aren't getting in. Is that bold enough for you? Is that a hot take? No. Friday, we're going to have to have the bu- – Big bad bold predictions. You get one for the winter meetings, and you're hanging that hat. You're hanging your hat on that one. So we're talking about off season, not like or like signings, not the Hall of Fame, right? Well, the Hall of Fame will be decided by the time we get there. So you could be right. Yeah. And then you got three days. You got Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Our last show's on Wednesday. You got three days to get it right. Your your prediction to hang your hat to be able to say, I won. I don't know what you've won yet, but you've won. <laughs> huh? Uh, I'll think of something. I'll think of. Kurt Schilling will be a baseball Hall of Famer. 
he might get the votes of the Hall. He, I'm curious to see how many of the Hall of Famers vote for him. I know the writers most likely won't. Wait, wait. Put up the list of the people who are voting. I mean, who's the Hall of Famer? Chipper Jones, Greg Maddox. How many Hall of Famers? There's not many. I mean, there's not. I think there's seven. Are they all Hall of Famers? Yes. Let me just see if I can find it. It was tweeted. Because you got out. writers, you got executives. It was sent out the other day. Let me see if they bring up who's actually on it. Um, of course, the Hall of Fame does that on their website. No, you got to put the you got to put the voters. You're putting you just put the ballot. They're going to give you. Yeah, they just had the whole list. It was out. on Twitter, yeah. Susan Slusser, our, our buddy Susan is on the list. Chipper Jones, Greg Maddox, Jack Morris, Ryan Sandberg, Lee Smith, Frank Thomas, Alan Trammell. Those are all Hall of Famers. Paul Beeson, Theo, Artie Moreno, Kim Ng, Peter Saint, or Dave St. Peter, Kenny, uh, Kenny Williams. Steve, Stanford. Steve uh, Hurt. I think that's what it is. H-I-R-D-T. Uh Lavelle Neal, who covers the Twins, and Susan Slusser on the 16-member committee. So you got the Hall of Famers. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Hall of Famers. I find it hard to believe that these 16 people who are voting on a man's career are going to sit here and say, this guy should not be a Hall of Famer because of politics. I have a really hard time like that. That's what that's what these guys. This is this is what you have been tasked to do. You've been tasked to look at why did this player who obviously you have to have some merits. is to have some merits to be on this list. You have you have Hall of Fame qualifications, right? Yes. So I have a hard time believing that these ba- true baseball people, not writers, once again, you would be shocked at some of the people that have Hall of Fame votes. You'd be shocked. I have a hard time that you're going to actually look at Kurt Schilling's career And say he's not a Hall of Famer. It's if you do, are you are you now are you now doing what the writers did? You're you don't like his politics, and you don't like what he said about you. And there's been threats. There's been violent threats by from I don't I haven't seen them myself, but they say he threatened writers. Whatever, not. Condoning it, whatever, but that's not, these guys are supposed to be looking at why the writers didn't vote for you, did they get it wrong? Are these 16 people going to say, yep, I don't like his politics, I don't like what he's done on Twitter. That's why he's not a baseball Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there there will be, I, I have a feeling there will be people that will look at that and it's, it's going to be a big thing. That's why he wasn't voted on the writer's ballot when he was on the actual But this ballot. is why they're supposed to look and to right wrongs, right? This is what their task is. Their task is not to look at this the way the writers do, right? That is this big, broad group that looks at it 
You're supposed to you're supposed to be more educated. You're supposed to look at it more. And you're supposed to understand, okay, this player didn't get in. There's some reasons why. Are they valid? And if your valid reasoning of saying no for Kurt Schilling is because of off-the-field stuff, I want to say I'll be shocked. As baseball people, as Greg Maddox, Chipper Jones, Jack Morris, Ryan Sandberg, Lee Smith, Frank Thomas, Alan Trammell, they know how hard it is to do what Kurt Schilling did. They know the greatness that Kurt Schilling was in the postseason. They know how special that is. Not a lot of people have done it. No, it was 11-2 and two with the area. It was, it was incredible. He was 11-2. and two. Are they going to just bypass that all because of what he was doing on Twitter of politics? Uh, I don't know about the players, but the morality clause is a thing. And that's I don't know how it affects this, but it does on the actual ballot. And I feel like that's going to be a thing like – we over. It's not a thing with the NFL, and there's been a lot of horrible people that have been. Voting oh, can you imagine that? If, if if we held the standard for the NFL, you'd just have to take all those jackets and t- and those busts, and they'd be gone. Lawrence Taylor, the, probably the greatest football player of all time, would not be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, no, he wouldn't be in. Yeah. Um, you, the one that's interesting: Will Theo vote for Kurt Schilling? Kurt Schilling helped him end the curse of the Bambino in Boston. Will he vote for Kurt to be in the Hall of Fame? I don't know how these ex-players would not vote for him. So one, two, I'm three, trying to think of four, five, teammates six, six, seven, eight. So that's eight. No, seven. There's, There's seven. seven. Yeah. So Theo makes eight. How many do you need? You need. I think you need 12. You need 75% still. All right. So if he's at eight, if you think the players vote for him and Theo votes for him, that's eight. That's what's interesting about Fred McGriff. You've got three people. you got Chipper who played with him, Greg Maddox who played with him. They all won a World Series together. And Paul Beeston was a uh, an executive when he was uh, in Toronto. So those three people connected to Fred McGriff. I got to think those are three yeses right there. If you play the yes no game, I'm I'm trying to think if they're. I don't think any of these guys, any of the Hall of Famers, played with Schilling. I mean, they played against him, obviously. They played against him. Yeah, like I'm trying to think if they were. If any, I don't think anyone were teammates with him though. Uh, like Chipper and Maddox, obviously, would have played against some Phillies and Braves. But I don't know it's gonna be interesting. I mean, we could either see McGriff and maybe someone else going, or we can see nobody going. And then we have to wait for the writer's ballot until, you know, later in January, and they, we can see someone not go. We can see nobody go in the Hall of Fame this year, which is just I'm, I, You know what? If that's the case, that's the case. I, I, I am not. One thing I forgot to ask Eno about, but he and Brian Kinney both get they're, they're They're big hall guys. I am not. I am not a big hall guy. I like what we're doing here. You in with the writers. Writers get it wrong because writers are biased. And there's a lot of people who have Hall of Fame votes that don't even cover our game full time. It's ridiculous. Um, I am not big hall. I don't I want to keep I want to make this the hardest Hall of Fame to get into. I want you to have to I want I want it to be the greats of the greats. That's why I go Scott Rowland. Eh, no way. Scott Rowland to me, never a Hall of Fame. I never looked at Scott Rowland and went, whoo, Scott Rowland, never. Yeah, he might be the only guy that's even close to getting it on this ballot this year. It gets close. It gets. It, I put Jeff Kent in because Jeff Kent was was the best guy during his time. He's an MVP. He was an absolute monster. Kent was a monster. Did you want to face Jeff Kent? Uh, he was a pretty good player. He Jeff wanted, Kent was a, was a baller. He won an MVP award. 
as a second Jeff baseman. Jeff Kent was a monster. And the biggest knock is, well, he he wasn't a second baseman. And he plays his entire career at second base. It makes no sense. That's why the writers are lame. It makes no sense. Jeff Kent played the majority of his career at second base, and people say, oh, he wasn't a second baseman. Well, if he played second base, how was he not a second baseman? Yeah, Because you didn't like him playing there? It's, it's nonsense. The guy has the most home runs ever. Did he have the most RBIs, too, as a second baseman? Um, I think I he's got both. He might have both. I know he has home runs for sure. He has the most home runs and RBIs as a second baseman, and he's not a second baseman? What the hell are we talking about? Maybe on Friday, because MLB Now did it, but I put together a list, but I, I saw their question on Twitter. The most overlooked guy who should be in the Hall of Fame. We should talk about that. I sent you the list of guys I thought. Some of the guys have been on the ballot before, but. Who was the number one guy you saw? Uh, a lot of people were saying Kenny Lofton. He was a good player. Um, my There's a couple for me. Um I don't want to give them all away, but one of the big ones for me, um, when we talk about catchers, if we're talking about – I think Thurman Munson should be a Hall of Famer. I know his war isn't there, but the numbers he put up in the before you know everything what happened with the, the plane crash, I mean, the 11 years he played with the Yankees, he was an okay. unbelievable catcher. If war doesn't reward first baseman defensively like it does like a Scott Rowland at third base, Keith Hernandez is still a 60.3. Yeah. The other one big for me is Tommy John. How is Keith Hernandez, who was an MVP, just a hitting, he was phenomenal offensively. Went a home run hitter, but he was phenomenal. Guy's got a 60 war. Yeah. Tommy John has a 61.6 war. He has 100, it's either 187 or 188 no decisions. He has 287 wins. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. Oh, also, he has the most, uh, he has the most famous. Surgery and not just baseball, sports named after him for when he had it, and he's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So that I, I, that he's those are the couple of the guys. Him, Thurman Munson, Keith Hernandez, I think Bernie Williams and Andrew Jones have a good case too, as well. But I would go with those those guys. Scott Rowland, how many home runs do you think he has in his career? Three twenty five. Three sixteen. Three sixteen. And the only reason he has that many is because he played 17 years. And those last few years, he was terrible. Literally terrible. Scott Rowland hit 30 home runs three times. By the way, are we sure he was never on the Jews? I don't think we know for sure. Uh, He played right in the middle of the steroid era. Uh, 1,287 RBIs. Not that many. For 17 years. Who's another third baseman that's not in the Hall of Fame that should be in? Is there any we can think off the top of our head? Uh, OPS plus of 122. I mean, what are these numbers that are supposedly screaming? Never won an MVP. Never even came close. The best thing he got was uh, fourth. Never won an MVP. I was looking at this is a Bleach Report article from forever ago, but it was like the top ten eligible third base and not in the Hall of Fame. Ken Boyer is number one, Ron Santo number two, and then Ron Santo. My and, grandfather, and your grandfather, Bob Elliott Bob, on the list. Bobby Benilla. My grandfather, third most screwed third baseman not to get into the most valuable into into the Hall of Fame. My grandfather was an MVP. My grandfather was a monster in the postseason. Look it up, Bob Elliott. My grandfather was the first third baseman ever to win the MVP in baseball. Yeah, so those are some of the guys. We can get into it more on Friday because we're about out of time. All right. I can keep going. 
Bold prediction. What 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 have they been saying in the chat room? Uh, not much. Cody's completely wrong about Stanford. Uh, nothing about Stanford. No. Um, yes, Fred McGriff would have had 500 home runs if not for the strike, but Barry would not have hit 700 plus without the cream. Um, you guys are too young to know what was going on in the 90s. You are just reading stats and making judgments. Stats do not tell the whole story. Then someone said, Tony is not too young. I, I was young. In the 90s, I was Wait, not who even. Who said we were too young for the 90s? One of our listeners. What did they say? You guys are too young to know what was going on in the 90s. You're just reading stats and making judgments. Stats do not tell the whole story. Wow. He's right. I was too young for the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was in 10 until 1998. So. Yeah, no, I lived in the 90s. Unfortunately. Are so, you kidding me? Oh, someone said we both look fabulous. I'm too young for the 90s? Man. Well, they th- I mean, you say you're a millennial, so they probably believe it. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> I'm 32 years old. I was not around in the 90s. No, I was here in the 90s. I started my career in the 90s. I, I would have been. I'm coming up. Am I 30? Eh, I'm coming up on 30 years, folks. 30 years. So, yes, I was around. I started my career at KMBR in the 90s, way back in the day. Oh, yeah. I was there for the steroid era. I was there for, I was there working Candlestick Park, McGuire and Sosa Show. I was there for the opening of Pac Bell Park. I was there for the closing of Candlestick. I was there when we honored, I wasn't working for the A's at the time. I was there when we honored Cal Ripken Jr. at the Coliseum. I was there for playoff games in the 90s. Well, we were any playoff games in the In the late 90s, there were no <laughs> playoff games for the Coliseum. I was there for the playoff games for the uh, Giants against the Marlins. Um, oh, yeah, I was around in the 90s. So San Jose State into my career. Oh, I saw it. I know all about the nineties. Uh Friday we're gonna So no, we're just not reading stats, bozos. And yes, I was around for the eighties too. I lived the Don Mattingly, George Brett, who was my favorite player of all time. Uh Friday we're gonna have Hembo to talk about the Hall of Fame. And then we're gonna have uh Jay Jackson. I hope he sets you straight. There's no way no one's getting in. You know what? Why even have this committee then if no one gets in? Why even have it? I I'm with you. I think some of the – I mean, all these guys have Hall of Fame – I mean, that's why they're on hey, the ballot. Hey, I've heard I've heard this. If this is not crazy. I've heard people say, yeah, Palmero, PEDs or not, wasn't a Hall of Famer. And I go, wait a minute. Rafael Palmero had 3,000 hits. Anybody who has 3,000 hits is in the Hall of Fame. You're telling me uh, – There's one guy that doesn't or that isn't. Don't say A-Rod. No, that's, no. Who? P-Rose. There's two, there's two guys. You're lame. There's two guys. No one who has three, and then we all know why. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Rafael Palmeiro with 500 home runs, which that was a standard at one point, and 3,000 hits wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame? It's it's crazy. You're going to put in Craig Biggio because he has 3,000 hits, but you're not going to have Palmeiro who has 3,000 hits? Doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm telling you, this is – it's whack. The whole thing is whack. The Hall of Fame, it's it's archaic, and it's crazy. You have people who say Jeff Kent wasn't a second baseman, even though he played his entire career basically except second base, except it was in Toronto he played some third base. I believe so, or maybe with the Dodgers. The rest of the time he played second base. Has the most home runs as a second baseman, most RBIs as a second baseman, and there's people saying he's not a second baseman. It's crazy with the stuff that's said. 
Crazy. Yeah, I think Palmero. I, I think Palmero. I think what hurt Palmero is the whole never took steroids. Period. Okay, then he's a PED guy, right? Which I would, you know, if there was ever a a year, like if there if they were smart, I know we got to go. If they were smart, knowing as you said, you know, Kent's probably not going to get in. Um, I guess Roland probably doesn't get in. Wouldn't this be the year just to throw them all in? Well, your whole start, your whole start just, right just, just, just give me Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, McGuire, A Rod. You let Big Poppy in. If you don't think Big Poppy was on PEDs, you're a moron. And you might call me a moron. Trust me. In in the circles of circles, everybody knows the dirty secret, right? Everybody knows the dirty secret about Bagwell. Everybody knows the dirty secret about Piazza. Stop it. All right, stop it. We know. We're putting in the gut we're we're putting in the users that we like. It's ridiculous. So let's just put them all up there fine. If if Hall of Famers don't want to show up this year and this is the year they don't show up and they protest, well, they'll be back because they want those signing because they all get paid for their signature. They'll be back. Put them all in. But you're going to tell me these numbers a 569 home runs, 1,835 RBIs, 3,020 hits, a career 885 OPS, three gold gloves. I, you're trying to tell me Rafael Palmero is not a Hall of Famer. It's I, I'm, I've never denied that he wasn't. I think this line to people have actually said if you uh, if he wasn't PEDI, he's still not a Hall of Famer. What? What, 569 home runs and 3,000 hits? You're not going to be a Hall of Famer? PEDs don't help you. Are you, you hit, high? PEDs don't help you hit the baseball. They help you hit the baseball far, not hit the baseball. I is It's 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 incredible. Total bases, 5,388. How are you going to say Rafael Palmero is not a Hall of Famer? Come on. It's, it's ridiculous. And you know what? It's good for this kind con- This To me, the conversation used to be good for the game, but I think it's now – it's getting to a point to where it turns people off. The ridiculous, the how ridiculous it is, has has really started to turn people off. I, I I agree with you on that. Like it's just it just gets to a point like you're like, what do you guys like? What do you, you guys are in your? It's like we're all and you know we're in it. We're in our own little baseball bubble world, right? We're in this bubble world, and the whole sports audience is outside of the bubble world looking at us. We're in this bubble, and they go, "You guys are ridiculous." You guys are once again. I want Small Hall. I mean, not putting Kurt Schilling in is is ridiculous, right? Fred McGriff should be a Hall of Fame. They got this wrong. Fred McGriff should be a Hall of Fame. Now, if you want to say that debate that Don Manley didn't give you enough because of the bad back, okay, I can live with that. If you didn't get enough from from Dale Murphy, I can live with that. But I can't. I can't. Pete Rose, I mean, how long we're gonna we basically and you, you know what? This is the thing. Have the balls, and I'll say it: have the balls to come out. We'll put Pete Rose in when he dies. That's his punishment. Pete Rose will never be a baseball Hall of Famer until after he dies. Our real punishment for Pete, what this real ban was with Bart Giamatti, and we're all holding on to it, is that 
Pete Rose will never be living and get to be get to have the honors of Hall of Famer while he's alive on this earth. That's our punishment. Have the balls to say it. But they don't. Because you know what? That sounds horrible. Do I need to bring up the definition of vindictive again? Uh, no. That sounds horrible. That's Because let me tell you something. Pete Rose is going to pass away, and at some point Pete Rose will go into the Hall of Fame. Most likely, I think so, yeah. And there's all these – I've had – I've had – I remember – I'm not going to mention the name with broadcasters. You are completely wrong. He bet on baseball. It's again, you'll never be in. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, he will be. They will put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame after he's dead. But in society where we are in 2022, about to be 2023, baseball should come out and say, nope, he's not in until he dies. And can you imagine how bad the press would be? Can you imagine how vindictive and awful that sounds? We're going to give him the honor, but not while he's living. That's his punishment. That's basically what they're doing. Yeah, it seems that way anyway now. And is that what we're doing with Bonds and Clemens too? Is that the new route? Is the new route is we're not going to put in Pete. We're not going to put in Bonds. We're not going to put in Roger. These guys are all-time greats. We're not putting them in until they pass away. That's that's their punishment. I think one thing quickly. Wow, how bad does that sound? I think one thing quickly, or one thing too, is what happens. What happens with the next uh, how many years? Eight, nine years now, including this year. How A Rod's vote goes? If what if A Rod gets voted in? Then you have to put those guys in. If you put A Rod in, you have to put Bonds and Clemens in. You have to put Palmero in, because if you're going to vote A Rod in. Which I know he, I forget what he got on the ballot last year. It wasn't it wasn't anywhere near seventy five, but he got some votes. It wasn't Big Poppy because remember Big Poppy. How likes, long how long are you on this? Can uh, not contemporary. What's this list called? The Veterans Committee list. Uh, or oh, whatever? it's the the it's the the one they're doing right now. It's the twenty twenty three contemporary contemporary era baseball Hall of Fame ballot. I don't know. I don't know what the year is on that. How long are you on that? I I don't know the. It's called contemporary. Yeah, it's a contemporary baseball ballot. All right. Era. Well. Is there a possibility those guys are off and A-Rod's still on the ballot? And then you could bring A-Rod on, he gets in, and those guys are off the ballot anyway, and they're gone forever. Possibly. Which I don't know. But but who knows, because, I mean, Alan Trammell got voted in, and he was out of the game for how long? Well, they started this committee thing. Yeah, so I... I, I so I that's guess. not apples to apples. Well, I'm just thinking of like guys like that. I don't know how long. You I, don't go away and then come back. The only reason why Jack Morris and Alan Trammell got on it because they started this new way to look at whether guys should be baseball Hall of Famers or not, who it did not get voted in by the writers. That's a relatively new thing. Uh, let's see if it says it real quick. It doesn't look like it. It just says there's a contemporary era player ballot, which we have right now. It doesn't look like it. I wouldn't be shocked if if A Rod, the Healing, on Fox, on ESPN, you got it. Uh, no, just saying each appointee is served is uh, they're supposed to meet on a cycle once every three years. So I guess every three years they meet. So twenty twenty five they would meet again, then twenty twenty eight. If I'm doing this correctly, twenty twenty eight, and then twenty twenty thirty one. So that's when A Rod will be off the ballot essentially if he does, unless he just falls off this year, which I don't think he will. I can see them thawing on A-Rod, and I can see them not thawing on Clemens and Bonds. 
And basically, Clemens and Bonds go to purgatory like Pete Rose. You don't go to heaven. You don't go to hell. But we're going to send you to heaven after you pass. A-Rug got 34% last year. I think that probably – I might actually tick up a little bit this year, maybe to f- close to 40. Who knows? There's new riders in the game now. Someone like Eno, a younger rider who watched A-Rod. Well, maybe I just think Bonds and Bonds and Bonds and Clemens are different. It was the defiance. It was the still to this day. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with it. They're not coming clean like McGuire. They're not. They're not doing it. They're not coming clean like A Rod. A Rod didn't come clean though. That's the thing. When people A Rod had to admit it because he was caught. Yeah, true. Very different. So uh, McGuire came clean. Got back into baseball. Was able to be a hitting coach. Um, Bonds was a hitting coach. The Marlins. Yeah, for a year. Was, was that with Donnie Baseball? New Blue Jays bench coach? Or was Donnie still with the Dodgers at the time? Let's uh, just pull it up real quick. It's a good chance. Donnie Baseball was there for a long time. 2016, so. He was there eight years? How many uh, years was he there? Yeah, Bonds named hitting coach is from 2016. Barry Bonds named Marlins hitting coach. Um, yeah, the Marlins under Don Mattingly. So his first year, Bonds was the hitting coach. So, uh, you know, the fact that they've never done the – they've never groveled to us. Bonds, Pete Rose never did. And then once he did, it was too late. Now we grovel. I'm sorry. I lied. Because Clemens and Bonds have never – gotten to their knees and bowed in front of us and asked for forgiveness, are they put in the same thing as Pete Rose? I'll call it purgatory. I mean, Pete Rose, I it's unbelievable. And there's still people who stick by. I just wish they'd be, you know, if you're going to do this to a man, if you're going to do this to a man, just say it. Come out and have the guts to say exactly what you're doing. Instead of saying Pete Rose, I mean, every so often, Pete Rose writes a letter to the commissioner. Pete Rose and the commissioner has to talk about it. Just say, you know what? We've all made a decision. He'll go, he'll, we'll readdress this when he passes. It's so morbid. It is. It's so morbid and vindictive. It's like Pete Rose went out and was killing people's families. We're going to punish this guy. I mean, the punishment is so unreal. It's like you got the death penalty while you're alive. And you have to live the death penalty every day. Every day. And we're never going to thaw on this. We're never going to thaw. We're never. It's unreal. And I wonder, I wonder now, like, if we had some of the broadcasters that I had on, who I got into it with, if I had them back on today and explain this. So you're cool with basically saying... Now, it's one thing to say he never gets in ever. But I think we now all kind of go, the hit king probably should be in. But maybe he never gets in. Bonds and Clemens never get a plaque. It's just silly. That's a museum telling the history of the game. All right, we will be back on Friday at 1 o'clock. Who do we have on? Hembo and Jay Jaffe of Fangraph. So, Hall of Fame talk. Paul Hembikides from ESPN. Uh, well, Jaffe's got his jaws. I wonder what Jaffe thinks about 
because he's a Hall of Fame guy. I wonder what he thinks about the the old guys, the vote on on. Because let me tell you something. If nothing happens, that's bad for us. We want to show up to San Diego first show one o'clock, and it's rip roaring Hall of Fame talk. Because if you're telling me Judge is not going to sign, none of the shortstops sign, and we're talking old man Verlander and old man Degrom, which Degrom isn't that old, but at thirty five. But if that's what we're talking about. Two three-year deals. I don't think that even happens. I, I'm saying, I did. Let me tell you, if Bonds and Clemens get in on the vote, the winter meetings may be the most explosive winter meetings in the history of baseball. <laughs> we'll talk more about this on Friday. We'll see everybody on Friday, one o'clock. Thank you for listening and watching A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. The winter meetings start Monday and A's Cast has you covered. Join Chris Townsend as A's Cast Live will be broadcasting from the Manchester Grand Hyatt in San Diego. Stay up to date on all things green and gold and around Major League Baseball with all major signings. And hear from the biggest names in the sport, such as David Forst, Mark Kotze, Terry Francona, Mad Dog Chris Russo, Sarah Langs, and more. Coverage starts Monday at 1 p.m. on A's Cast. And you can watch the show live. Visit youtube.com slash athletics or on Twitter at athleticscast24. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.